0: To the stars
1: in his eye If he were a girl He'd be Princess Di If he was a girl He'd be Princess Di That's the best way to start any podcast Hey everybody, it's Amanda again With another very special episode of the Made for TV Mayhem show Um, Tonight we are minus Nate again Because he has this thing called a life Which is really stupid But um, (laughs) we are here with Dan Do you want to say hi Dan?
2: Yeah Hey hey Merry Christmas everybody.
1: Happy holidays. I know it's getting exciting. In case you didn't catch our last episode, we are actually here doing a second show with a very special guest. She is the Christmas TV expert and her name is Joanna Wilson. Hi Joanna. Hi, thanks for having me back. It's good to see you or hear you guys again. <laughs> Amanda and Dan. Well we are seeing Joanna. She took a really nice profile pic and put it up on her yeah. Skype. So it's pretty exciting. And I've seen Dan's picture a bunch of times, so it's not as exciting. But I still enjoy I'll it. I'll put
2: up I'll put up a new picture you sometimes. gotta switch
1: it out. I used to my picture used to be a Vangus scrimm. <laughs> Which I, is awesome. I decided to update it with myself. But um, so we're going to be talking about uh, only one movie tonight um, and a short movie at that. And then we're going to dive into Christmas specials. And we're all just going to talk about things we like to watch around Christmas or oddities about Christmas, which Joanna knows a lot about. Um, I've got some special clips for that. But first, in case you missed the last podcast, let's talk a little bit to Joanna about what she does. So I was wrong last time. You have three books about Christmas television. Yeah. What are those titles?
3: Most people know the encyclopedia, which is called Tis the Season TV. It's over 3,000 lists things almost 800 pages of wow. nearly yeah uh, every christmas themed episode special and made for tv movie
2: ever and then, yeah I, I have it it's fantastic it
1: is fantastic it oh, and it's a great resource it's an absolutely great resource mm-hmm.
3: thank you and then from that research it took me 10 years to write that book watch everything and and provide summaries and do research and add commentary from that i also uh from that research i also wrote uh the christmas tv companion yes which is for pop culture junkies, if you're tired of watching the same old Christmas specials every year, uh, the Christmas TV Companion is suggestions for cult favorites and more out of the way, more unusual Christmas entertainment. And then the third book is the first in a series of five, just huh? about yeah, just about music in Christmas entertainment. Oh, so that cool. so Merry wow. Musical Christmas, Volume One, is the best musical performances in just sitcoms and dramas. So everything from Lucy and Ricky singing jingle bells in the Christmas episode of I Love Lucy, up to contemporary shows like Community and Glee and more that also uh, center around music.
1: So, I'm curious so you're going to show like the Laverne and Shirley Christmas Special or something, and you'll have them singing and you'll write about that. But, what, do you think you'll incorporate scores, like full scores of Christmas? specials do you mean written music scores yeah like compo- like music composed for movies and things like that do you think you well, might branch over when, to that
3: when it's no but <laughs> it's, it, i do talk about like who compo- you know when it's interesting i talked about who composed you know the music in in that is used in these Right, you know. Well, I'm just curious if you
1: find you run across the same names. You know what I mean for composers of like TV movies and things like that. I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious if you've run across that.
3: Sure, sure. There's some very talented people. You know, like Irving Berlin. You know, sure has written some of our favorite Christmas music, and so I end up talking about Irving Berlin quite a bit. here and there each time that somebody covers one of his songs or you know something like that right Sure.
1: yeah awesome okay cool i was thinking along the lines of like billy goldenberg or like who's the other television composer we see all the time like the guy we saw yesterday like george tipton like you know who did home for the holidays i just would be curious if you saw those names often do you know what i mean people who primarily did tv movies but like well and i'm talking about christmas music music, yeah so not necessarily music i'm trying to i'm trying to make you write a book about something (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. I was taking the wrong notes now i'm I'm centered
1: ah, <laughs> okay. uh, all right, whatever. I thought my diabolical plan was working. <laughs> Because I would like to eventually talk about these composers, but I haven't had time to research it, so I thought maybe I could coerce somebody else into doing it. That is an interesting project. I know. I see where you're going with that. It, maybe,
3: maybe after this five volumes. Yeah, yeah, maybe
1: less than seven years. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um,
3: well, that's cool. So how often do you plan on releasing this book? Well, I'm hoping the next one, which is um, about the best music in children's entertainment. It's a parent's guide. For that That's volume two. I hope that'll
1: be out next year. Awesome. That must take a lot of research. I mean, you've already done the foundation when you made your encyclopedia but I have to imagine you need to go back and watch a lot of these again
3: and since there's between 120 and 150 new pieces of Christmas entertainment released every year I can't I constantly have to update everything and and add all the relevant new stuff as well. So that's amazing to me. It's yeah, it's it's a
1: full-time job. I do it year round. It's crazy. So I have to ask this was on my brain today. Yeah. Um, d- did you see the Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas movie? <laughs>
3: I actually haven't sat and watched it yet.
1: Okay, because I think I've got, I've piqued my husband's curiosity because, you know, it it when it came out, it was like the worst movie ever on yeah. IMDb and all, and I don't think it probably is because, I mean, the trailer isn't that bad, but it, it sparked my curiosity because he has this Facebook page, he was asking everybody to just go over and give it like 10 stars on IMDb or whatever, and like people hadn't even seen it, and they're like, and so I watched the trailer and it looks kind of fun. I have to admit, except for the part where he says he's bringing Christ back to Christmas, because I think that while I know people want that and that's fine if that's something they that's their focus on Christmas. But I don't know that Kirk Cameron needs to be the guy that does. That. I don't know if I want <laughs> the guy from Growing Pains to be the guy that brings Christ. You know what I mean? Like, I can't not, reconcile. With not him. while
2: Alan Thicke is still alive. No,
1: he would be the guy for me mm-hmm that would that would do that for me but so I, I anyway so I, I finally I showed the trailer to my husband because he, uh, he year later he reads all this stuff about the show the movie and He's like, this doesn't look that bad. And I'm like, no. So maybe we should just suck it up. We did see that movie with Martin. Oh, my God. The guy played Max Headroom. And I think Daniel Stern. And they play neighbors who are competing for the most Christmas lights. That's good. I like that. That was a British movie. I didn't care for it. But oh, oh, wait a minute. That's, that's a different one. But no, yes, I've seen that one. I'm sorry. I got confused. It's not bad. Like, it's watchable. But it's certainly not the best thing yeah. I've ever seen. But I'm like, I can't yeah. imagine that Kirk Cameron's movie is worse than that. Really. And also last year, and this is something I forgot to ask last episode too, we fought, We saw The Grumpy Cat Christmas. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I have. What'd you think?
3: I like Grumpy Cat. I do. And I, l- I like sarcasm, so I enjoyed it. It was really entertaining.
1: I thought so too. I thought so too. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't like completely laugh out loud for the full two hours, but it had enough funny moments that I thought it was pretty worthwhile.
3: Yeah. And I like that it was slightly different than everything else being made out there. So it really stands out.
1: Well, it had a cat shooting a paintball gun.
3: <laughs> right? So I mean, yeah. it's
1: worth it just for that.
3: And this is, this is what is, you know, to, to tie together Grumpy Cat and even Kirk Cameron. <laughs> you can't tie it <laughs> into anything. Yeah, I can. <laughs> um, work with me here. There, Christmas Entertainment is just, I mean, it really runs the gamut. It, it, there is something for everyone out there mm. everyone can find christmas entertainment to, that can make them happy
1: you know what that's really interesting because just say we were talking about home for the holidays and how we thought it was like the first kind of cynical at least for the small screen kind of look at the holiday and i think you're right and i think now of course that's you see all these like not necessarily like black christmas but you see a lot of uh more dysfunction in movies, and then you see movies that straight up are like the old school, traditional, you know, Hallmark, whatever. And so I think you're right, and I think people, I don't know when it became, I guess you would know better than me, because you write about it all the time. Has it always been this intense as far as, like, I know cable makes it, you know, proliferates it, because now we have so many options. Have you seen Christmas getting more popular as the years go by since you started your research, or do you think it's always been like this? You're asking
3: me several different questions. Yeah, here. I know. <laughs> Just pick one. There, There is an increasing number of christmas uh, programs and and films made every year, so it is market that's getting larger and larger and larger at the same time with the increasing number, they are reaching all different splinters of different audiences, so there is you know things being made just for you know toddler audiences there are right. things being made just for senior audiences. there are things obviously being made just for teenagers and just for um middle aged women and they're, you know, so and these demographics all have different tastes and have different expectations and, and different appetites for holiday stories. So there is something for everyone out there. That's so interesting.
1: I like Christmas stuff too, you know, and I'm not even like, oh, I guess I am. I know Dan's a huge Christmas person. Like he was telling me like even in August, he's like yes. Christmas. And actually you were going to mention that you wrote uh, for Joanna's
2: I do want to thank you, Joanna, for allowing me to write a review of uh, the BJ and the Bear Christmas special back no. in Jan- January of this year year i believe 2015
3: that's right that was a lot of fun thank you for uh providing yeah. that yeah you that know
2: bj and the bear it's one of my obsessions you know and if uh if there were a christmas episode of battle of the network stars i'd write about that for <laughs> that it. would be but, amazing uh, actually sadly dick van patten would
1: be santa just so you know.
2: oh that would be great so or pernell roberts
1: Ooh even better he's too buff
2: mm. well dan haggerty then he was on one
1: yeah maybe Dan. Haggerty. yeah I th- i'm pretty sure i read that one wasn't that where you we you were trying to make like a three wise man connection
2: yeah i was trying to um bj delivers a baby in the in the <laughs> truck in the middle of a blizzard <laughs> was and, it pamela
1: uh, susan shu yes it was yes, okay. yes, yes it was
2: and her husband her husband played by mr ted danson oh so that was a, it's oh my god they bear- were both on
1: magnum on like the first season oh that's all okay go ahead oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a wonderful episode and, um, yeah, may- maybe we'll mention a little more later when we do our Christmas uh, Christmas chatter.
1: Cool. Okay, yeah, that would be great. I'd love to hear more about it because I haven't seen the episode. I've just read your review of it.
2: And may, may I correct one thing? I realized today I was kicking back listening to our last episode and I realized I made an error at one point it's not specifically in a christmas related thing but since it was in a horror related reference and i thought i better fix it so everyone doesn't come down on me but it was in las vegas bloodbath the the oil wrestling ladies are not are not glow the gorgeous ladies of oil wrestling they're blow the
1: beautiful beautiful ladies
2: yes beautiful ladies oil wrestling so i just wanted to I wanted to correct that.
1: I made so. a mistake too. I think I said that there was a Bonanza reunion in the '80s, but I think it was Gunsmoke.
2: Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. Sorry. There may have been a couple of them. I think. I, I
1: think. Yeah, I don't remember there being a Bonanza reunion. You know, um, just, just a- to clarify. Okay, so uh, we got all that out of the way. I guess mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go ahead and we will dive into tonight's movie, which is a British Christmas movie that I watch every year called Bernard and the Genie. Uh, it originally aired on BBC in 1991, and Dan is going to give us a breakdown of it. Now, I actually have a TV spot that I found, I guess, from the oh, BBC.
0: The yes. bottle is a lad in luck. I'm a genie. You better get your next alibi ready pretty quickly, because I wish this chair was Melbourne Brash. <laughs> My friend I that it's going to be a very, very Christmas. A wish fulfillment in Bernard and the
2: Genie, Sunday, 7.30 on BBC One. I love a good BBC announcer.
0: I do too.
1: does.
2: <laughs> Bernard and the Genie is a story of a young man named Bernard Bottle, played by Alan Cummings, who is, he's an art buyer. And oh, I'm sorry, I've I've actually missed the prologue. My apologies. In the prologue of the movie, which is set 2000 years ago, we see a man who is a professional, well, not so professional knife thrower being attacked by a wizard because apparently he has killed or hurt. I, I was a little unsure what exactly happened. The wizard's daughter and the wizard has some sort of evil plan for this gentleman and then it flashes forward to modern day and Bernard Bottle is like I said art buyer he's had the biggest day of his life he's found like 65 million pounds worth of rare art in the attic of two uh elderly women like out in the countryside and he's he's in the paper everyone as he's walking down the hallway everyone is handing him gifts he actually has a song on the soundtrack that sings about how great he is. He gets into his <laughs> boss's office. He's Mr. And his Success. Bo- Mr. Success, yes. And his boss, played by Rowan Atkinson, at his most um, Rowan Atkinson-y, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is Charles Pinkworth. After about mm, one minute of praise and good stuff, Bernard has his life, well, his job flipped on him. Uh, when um, Mr. Pinkworth mentions that Bernard had said that the old ladies would be getting some of the profit from the art. Mr Pinkworth isn't up for that and so he is going to have Bernard fired um allegedly for stealing some of the money he's also going to have Bernard sent away for uh sexually harassing uh Pinkworth's secretary and i believe Pinkworth also pretends like he had his pen stolen and so <laughs> and so Bernard is yeah, Bernard is sent away an absolute disgrace, and the song on the soundtrack turns against him. And no longer is he Mr. Success in the song; he's having a rotten time of it. And in true um, awful day fashion, and this is right around Christmas time, in true awful day fashion, he goes home. Gives his um, well, he, he's basically trying to. Uh, is he? Forgive me. He's is he calling his girlfriend, and he gets his best friend. I is that what it is? I
1: think he's. Yes. Is the other way around. Yes.
2: And I can't he, remember, we... but
1: he's yeah, I can't remember, but he gets them both.
2: Yes, he, he calls up he calls up to speak to his, his girlfriend or best friend, and the two of them are in bed together. And so um within I would say what fourteen minutes or so, Bernard goes from being like the most talked about man in London to being jobless and friendless and girlfriendless and pretty miserable. But because he is an art lover he decides it's time to take out a lamp, an old 2,000-year-old lamp that his girlfriend gave him for Christmas the year before. He gave her lingerie. uh She gave him a lamp.
1: That was a funny and scene because, she's, he, because you see the best friend like the whole time yeah. he'd been plotting against Bernard.
2: Given the looks, yeah. Yeah. Well, it turns out. That there is a genie in the lamp. The genie is the knife thrower from the beginning, named um, Josephus. Josephus, yeah. Josephus uh, played by the the fantastic Lenny Henry. Yes. The the tricky thing at this point is this, this is a comedy. This is a Richard Curtis written comedy. So there are a lot of fantastic lines, a lot of wonderful moments that will make you go, yeah. And not really any that I can fully pull off in a description. What I will say is that Bernard learns pretty quickly that all he has to do is say, I wish, followed by something, and the wish comes true.
1: Well, I mean like true to form, like he wishes in the TV spot that the chair was Melvin Bragg and then who shows up on all fours on his floor but Melvin Bragg who I know American audiences might not know too well, but he was, I know him from uh, being the host of the South Bank show. Yes. It paid to watch a lot of British television in the late eighties and early nineties when this movie was made to catch all the references.
2: And, and the first, the the first wish is actually a wonderful one because it's almost, um, it's almost semi imperceptible just for a moment because Josephus is chasing him around uh, the room, um, threatening him with a sword and screaming and yelling in his, Josephus's native tongue. That's right and and Bernard yells, "Oh, I wish you spoke English, and then immediately he he goes from his native tug into English, and it's almost for a split second it doesn't quite you know register, but right. it's, it's a clever it's a clever moment and um Bernard becomes very happy because uh this genie can give him piles of gold and and everything like that, but in the end. Well, it, not in the end of the movie, but at the, <laughs> the end of the scene of that meeting, it turns out that they're both kind of lonely regardless of what um, the wishes can bring them because uh, the genie discovers that he's been in a, in a, in a lamp for 2,000 years and everyone he loves is dead. And there's a wonderful moment where they're sitting on a bench in Bernard's apartment and they're both depressed and the bench oh. is – is it's a, it's a bus station bench and they're like – Bernard is on one side of it, and and Josephus is on the other side of it, and they're both just so depressed. And that's then funny. that I I didn't realize that till the second time I saw it. I thought, <laughs> oh, that's that's like a that's like a they're in a bus station, and they're just two sad people at Christmas time, um, who can't quite connect, like lonely in a in a bus station. And what happens is basically uh, the genie whips up a couple of Big Macs for them because they're hungry. And um, it turns out that uh, the genie absolutely loves Big Macs, absolutely loves them. (laughs) And and he rapidly, beautifully so falls in love with everything in in the society that Bernard lives in. And the movie just becomes – it becomes – it's it's really, Lenny Henry is so fantastic. And Alan Cummings is such an, like, he's just an adorable, oh, like, straight man. And you just yeah. want to, you just want to squeeze him and say, it's going to be all right, Bernard. It's going to be <laughs> all right. And, and Lenny Henry, he just like, he just embraces everything about our society. Just, he just loves it so much. In fact, there, there's a great scene where they're just walking down the street and he's just, he's just loving, he's just loving everything he sees. And Bernard is just, he's got this smile on his face because he's got this friend who appreciates life and a friend who can get him anything he wants with a wish which is awesome and they actually go to see terminator 2 (laughs) which 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 josephus really loves
0: he's an alien and he's killing absolutely everyone (laughs) hasta la vista baby that was unbelievable! Those people were huge! Tell me, where did they all live? Uh, most of them are in Los Angeles. That's the place for me! That woman's breasts were 60 feet high! <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's so good. And um, they, they just... The the movie then becomes sort of a series of scenes of them just sort of exploring the world. And at one point, um, Bernard wishes for the Mona Lisa, which he I, I believe he thinks is the most beautiful painting ever and the the Mona Lisa appears on Bernard's wall and they just stand there staring at it and the genie gets bored of it pretty quick and and they go out and um it's it's really just it's such a it's such a boisterous yeah. fun film you know you could tell it's Richard Curtis who wrote all the black adders and who wrote uh for weddings and a funeral love actually uh who wrote one uh, favorite doctor who episode of mine Vincent and the Doctor uh it's just it's so much fun and I, I'm trying not to... Well, I mean, I, I'm sure we can give it away, give stuff away about it since it is more or less a comedy. But um, I actually wanted to take us to Bernard sort of falls for a lovely Santa's helper.
0: Well, I've sucked on some pretty wonderful things, Bernie, but that takes the biscuit. You and I are going to be a wonderful partnership. I can see it now. But, you know, there's more to me than fantastic pants. I am going to find you a woman. Oh, no. Starting right now. Okay, now those two over there are definitely out. Ugh, a bit wrinkly, and she, she's pretty cute. Okay, she's a bit older than you, but if she shakes her booty the way she shakes her milk. On the other hand. Oh no, please. Ah, you like the look of her. Well, leave it to me. I'm pretty experienced at this kind of thing. Oh, thank God, it's mere Closing time. We're running out of pencils. Good evening. Oh, hello. Today here. Oh, thank you very much. Myself and my friend with the very unfortunate here, but he's very fertile and has a large inheritance. Couldn't help noticing the splendid work you were doing with the children. Oh, thanks. It's hell, actually. Santa drinks like a fish, and these hot pants were tailor-made for Bonnie Langford. <laughs> Indeed. Would you care to join us for a shake of milk? Or perhaps you'd like me to organize something more formal where your parents were involved? No. No, I'll just have a cup of coffee and fly. What a coincidence! We're flying too! Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Could you hang on for just one second, please? Certainly. Thank you. Actually, you better make that two coffees. Santa keeps on dozing off over the children. It's going very well. She says her pants are hot. She wants your body and she wants it now. She doesn't know what She does. A little more negotiation and the match will be made. Depending, of course, on proof of childbearing capability. So is that your flying carpet then? Yes, it is. Would you fancy a ride? Oh, no. The reindeer can get very jealous if I use alternative means of transport. <laughs> very amusing. Too. Now, down to business. Obviously, the question of the dowry raises its ugly head. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not from round right here. No, I sort of guessed that. I think your hair's quite nice. Bye. <coughs> It's a dead set. I can see it now. The loving relatives, the priest, the staggeringly attractive best man, the shagged out bridesmaids.
1: That's like my, one of my favorite scenes in the. It's oh, so good. I, I couldn't figure out where to cut it because oh. I love the whole scene so much.
2: Oh, from the fantastic pants to the shagged out <laughs> bridesmaids. It's all fantastic.
1: Ooh. <laughs> And, um, her pants are hot. <laughs> her pants are hot. It's very,
2: very fertile. it is. Uh, the one with the unfortunate hair. Yeah. And there is some conflict in the movie, not, not a tremendous amount, but what happens is the Mona Lisa has gone missing. We learn later on and people start coming after, basically, with the help of Ch- the evil Charles Pinkworth, they, they begin to sort of uh, close in on Bernard because he has the freaking Mona Lisa hanging on the wall of his apartment. And I don't want to, uh, I, well, I don't think I, re- I really can't, like I said, I don't think I can ruin it, but I don't think uh, hearing t- like a minute to two minutes of the dialogue really gives you the feel for it. I think yeah it, it, Bernard gets to another low point near the end where he is in prison and he's going to be oh, in prison for yeah. a very long time for stealing the Mona Lisa luckily he has a genie for a friend and so Woo. things can things get better as they go so it's it's really I I had never seen it until about a week ago and I just I just think it's if I had known it was Richard Curtis whose work I generally really love I would have watched it ages ago but I I just think it's fantastic
1: you know it's funny is I didn't know it was Richard Curtis who wrote the script so I saw the movie in 1991 when it came out and I had no idea that it was the same guy that did four weddings and a funeral I haven't seen a lot of his other stuff but I didn't know till last week I was like oh my gosh this guy has done a lot
2: yes yeah Yeah. and the director Paul Whelan did um Leonard part six wow yeah (laughs) what what a filmography yeah yeah
1: (laughs) well Bill Cosby's come up twice over Christmas episodes. Wow. Weird. Yeah, Yeah, I think this is a fantastic film. I mean, obviously I saw it when it it first came out and I was already a big Lenny Henry fan from Mm -hmm. his sketch comedy show from 1985. (laughs) I didn't realize he actually had a sitcom also called The Lenny Henry Show in 87 or so that I actually started to watch the first episode of the other day and I thought it was the sketch show and I'm like, wow, the sketch is going on forever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wait, it's a series. (laughs) But um. I had a long-time love for him. I'm pretty sure I knew who Rowan Atkinson was, but not mm-hmm. that well. And I, I'd I never heard of Alan Cumming at that point.
2: Yeah, I know. Alan Cumming, he hosts Mystery, doesn't he? I think Oh, does Master he really? Mystery. I, I believe so, or he did. Whenever yes. I watch Sherlock on PBS, he's yes. always standing
1: there. Oh,
3: that's cool. He's, I had no idea. He's also yeah. on The Good Wife right now.
1: Is oh, he like oh, well. gold
3: on The Good Wife? I think I did know
1: that. That I think, But I've never seen the show, but I, I feel like I saw him in an ad. And I was like, oh, and I always think of him now actually from Romeo and Michelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially at the end. Don't they put all that makeup on him? and They're trying to make him like this dashing. Do you remember that when he's in the limo?
3: Isn't like, he the, the wealthy uh, he
1: inventor? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He looks totally different. Like they do this weird makeup job on him. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny. He's had quite the career. Yeah, he has. He's also the fortunate guy that got to interview Gwyneth Paltrow that day. She said on an elevator in a giant mall. When I won the Oscar, I could feel the global shift against me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he, he was there for that, everybody. <laughs> An important moment in history where we all shifted. against, I, But I was like, no, I already hated you, so it was okay. Okay,
2: sorry. I, the thing I love about the genie in this movie is that he's, he, they, he isn't played as being like um, – Say, like mork coming down you know from the sky or like like an innocent or something like that right. he's i mean he's he's not at all i mean he's it, he the, which is one of the fantastic things he just he's he's like a child when he discovers everything that's going on in our world, like when he discovers ice cream, he runs out into the street and <laughs> shouts for everyone to join him because this stuff is so fantastic, and when he sees. Uh, and he, there's that sequence where he says he, he's had a stomach ache, but it's the first stomach ache he's had in 2000 years. So it's like, he's it's like visit, getting a visit from an old friend, <laughs> but at the same time too, he talks about like living 2000 years ago. There, there's a wonderful scene where um, Bernard has like a little picture of his girlfriend and then oh. the genie sort of opened up his hand and he has like um, a hieroglyph yeah.
1: of his, of his <laughs>
2: girlfriend, it's so cute. Which is, Which is fantastic, and it's just he's such a he's such a great character. I mean, you know, Richard Richard Curtis and Ben Elton wrote or co-wrote some with Rowan Atkinson every episode of the show Blackadder, which was very historical, and so there's something sort of. The joys—I mean, the fantastic pants line in the, in that scene—that that's something that um, in Blackadder Two, one of Blackadder's best friends, uh, Flash, played by Rick Mayall, yes, he shows up and he has a—he has a—he's very loud and boisterous, and he has a moment uh, where he—they're trying Wait, to figure out a plan. Rick
1: for- Mayall, loud and boisterous,
2: yes. Can you believe? Uh, that?
1: Unusual. <laughs> <laughs> and and
2: he, he has a sequence where he yells a lot. Where they're trying to figure out something, and he says, "Wait a minute, I've got a plan." And it's as hot as my pants. And it's <laughs> well, that's fantastic. funny. And, and, and it's reminded me of the fantastic pants. I think it's a
1: wow. Who knew a, that a was an ongoing thing for him?
2: But that, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm really glad I saw this. This, um, I think this will become my wife loved it when we watched it the other night. I think this is going to become a uh, continuing, a uh, perennial in the house.
1: Well, interestingly enough, this movie has quite the cult following. So when I did my research on it over the weekend. I pretty much just came across a bunch of people on the Internet looking to find each other to talk about how much they love this movie. Uh, across the board on IMDb, people love it. Their reviews of it from just regular people like bloggers and love it. I think the critics liked it. And yet it apparently only aired once on BBC, and then it had that video release in 91, and that's it. And apparently there's a bootleg that's available and somebody got it on Amazon, but it's not legitimate. And I think the quality is really bad from what I've been reading. People are – and it's really surprising that that the screenwriter is so famous and actually the cast is so famous that there's no release for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense to me. But it's like – it's kind of a bona fide classic for a lot of people. And I thought for years until I did my research, I was just like one of a handful of people who even remembered it. But it has a really passionate following, so – and I, I mean, I think we can all see why, you know, it's a really uplifting film.
2: Yeah, it is. There's, there's that moment there, Bernard and the Genie they're actually talking about Christmas and what it means and what it's about near the end. Right. And they talk about Big J. Oh, well, I just called him Big J. I forget <laughs> what they called him <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: take it. Do you want me to play that? Oh, yes, please. I, I don't I'm think sorry. I have the I... whole scene, but I have a piece of it. Oh.
0: Tell me about this Christmas thing. Well, it's become a very big commercial thing in recent times. Oh, I like commercial. I like commercials. <laughs> Fly Fishing by J.R. Hartley. Yeah, but originally, it was supposed to celebrate the birth of this chap called Jesus Christ, who was born, well, about 2,000 years ago. Jesus, and, you say? Yes. Yeah? But I knew this guy. You did not. I did. What did he do to get so famous? Well, he turned out to be the son of God. No, I thought he was kidding. No, true blue. Damn it! I knew there was something special about him from the moment I first met him. You met him? Of course. He helped out with the wine at my brother's wedding.
2: <laughs> that's so. That's so awesome. That's and again, he just he just takes it as as read in the conversation that he yeah the son of God really. I <laughs> thought he was kidding, and he is. Wow, that's great.
1: That's a really interesting scene because he, they actually give the whole story of of Jesus Christ in mm. like of in like two minutes, and yeah. they go through the really rough part where he gets persecuted, you know, and crucified mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then they kind of make it funny again. And it's like, yeah. I don't know how yeah. you do that.
0: Yeah.
1: But they yeah. did it with a lot of grace, I think. And uh, and I also like that they don't really like, that's part of the film, and mm-hmm. the and to help you get into the Christmas spirit and to understand what Christmas is really about. Mm-hmm. And But it, it doesn't overwhelm the film at all. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: And and Richard, Kerr, I, I I completely forgot that he created and co-wrote every episode of uh, *Vicar of Dibley* with wow. Don French, who was married to Lenny Henry. Anyway, I know I was
1: so time. upset when that marriage didn't work out.
2: Okay. I w- I was too, and my wife was too. She was <sighs> like visibly like I don't believe.
1: I it. mean, I was really happy he was single. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> I was also really devastated because I love them as a couple absolutely.
3: I'm the hugest Don French fan. Huge,
1: oh, yes. huge. I love her,
3: love her, love her.
1: I do too. She's amazing. She's so funny. Do you remember a TV show called Scoff? Uh-uh. It was oh. it used a show on Bravo. And so when you were telling me that you had never seen Chef, I used to mix up Chef with Scoff. So Chef is a Lenny Henry show that I've actually never seen, but Scoff it was mm-hmm. a Don French show and I think it was a cooking show too, but it wasn't a sitcom. It was a it was like a reality show kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's not really a reality show. It was kind of like a documentary show that was like a half hour long in the late 80s, I think they produced them. And she used to go around and I think they just had different chefs doing things and she would kind of like talk to them. And it was a real funny, lighthearted cooking kind of show. And I've never seen I don't know how many episodes of it there are, but my mom and I used to watch it pretty regularly on Bravo. And I'm hopefully I got the title right. But it, yeah, Don French hosted it. Huh. And
2: wow. Joanna, oh, did did you did, have you seen Vicar Dibley?
1: Oh uh,
3: many, many over and over and over and over again. Yes. I love Vicar Dibley. Yeah.
2: Oh it's fantastic. and Vicar Dibley has a ton of fantastic Christmas related episodes. Yes. Yeah. And I, it has oh I'm sorry.
3: That's okay. I was gonna ask you your favorite Christmas one.
2: It's probably the one where she has to eat all the meals.
3: Yes, that's what I was that, gonna say too. Yeah,
2: I I I love I love that episode. It's such it's uh I love the way the whole show is structured. Uh, I like the, the the first series is six half hour episodes, like most sitcoms. But then the other series, kind of like one one of the seasons is four over long, not over long, um more than thirty minute long episodes. Each one set in a season, so they cover a year of time in the four episodes, and it's it's really and it has a lot of that great dialogue like in Bernard and the Genie and and Blackadder and Four Weddings and a Funeral, the sort of just casual funniness. Like, we're just like, people are just, they're just funny. They say funny things. And, and I love naked.
3: how every episode ends with uh, Geraldine and Alice oh, yes. <laughs> telling yeah. a joke and Alice never gets the jokes. I
1: love.
2: Oh, it's such a good, she's so wonderful in that. Oh yes. my gosh. I Because I knew her from French and Saunders yes. back from when they started showing that after AbFab back in like 94 on Comedy Central yes but I'd I never like seen her sort of full on doing her thing and she's so charming it's oh, she's so great. funny
1: I discovered yeah. French and Saunders you know what I think I actually discovered them through the Young Ones because they they were on oh, there yeah. I don't think I discovered them as a comedy duo but I became familiar with their faces I can only think of one episode that they were on now do you remember that episode of the Young Ones where they threw that party
2: yeah and they're the sort of the more regular gals or something yeah like yeah, yeah. they
1: show up and they're sitting on the sandwich because you remember they there's a Four Horsemen <laughs> of the Apocalypse and one of them throws yeah. a sandwich lands in their apartment and they're using it as a couch and they show up and whatever. But they, I think they used to show French and Saunders on A&E. So one of the things, when I was driving home today, I was thinking about Bernard and the Genie and about when I discovered Lenny Henry and when Bravo and A&E used to be like amazing channels. And I don't know if you guys watched them back in the 80s and 90s when it was just foreign films and British comedies.
2: Yeah. Well, I used to, the first time I ever saw the TV show Police Squad. The the you know uh-huh. that Naked Gun was based on about four years no three years before Naked Gun came out A and E just randomly showed all six yeah, episodes. Yeah, I taped them oh, off there.
0: I taped yeah, them like I did too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like so still it, have my tape.
2: It was so fantastic. You know, it was just like the the station would just so randomly they'd show these wonderful things that you'd never expect to see. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: it was a really great channel. Now I don't even know what it is. Like I don't Ugh.
2: watch it.
3: Um
1: that was my dose of British comedy and I got it really young. I mean MTV also did their part with Monty Python and uh yes. Young Ones. And um oh my god, the young ones blew me away the first time I saw it because I don't think I was sophisticated enough to understand Monty Python. Not that all of it's sophisticated, but the young ones was so based off physical comedy mm-hmm. that it just really translated to like my really stupid adolescent <laughs> brain. It was trust me, it was a <laughs> stupid brain, and it really translated to it like all the messing around they did, and you know the Pratt falling. Mm-hmm. And then Monty Python had that, but it was more subtle and more nuanced. Do you know what I mean? They
2: bring they bring up a Fla- Kierkegaard stuff. Yeah, like they would that. just do
1: stuff, and, and they had the minister funny walks and things like that. But they also mm-hmm. like the dialogue, the way it was delivered. I I wasn't I don't I don't think I was prepared to really. Taken the comedy the way they delivered it at that time. But the young ones was right up my alley. So that was my gateway into all things British, I think. Uh, but Lenny Henry was like, I don't know, Has anybody here seen the Lenny Henry sketch show? No.
2: I, I've seen I've seen one sketch where he actually parodies Doctor Who, where he plays oh, the Doctor and I they're running up and one. down hallways. It's on one of the Doctor Who DVDs where they like collected a bunch of sketches that were because uh, French and Saunders did one too, where they're like playing monsters on this enormous oh. set. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. And they're
2: just they're just kind of standing in front of the set, just being they're extras, just kind of talking as and it's a Doctor Who set from an actual Doctor Who episode behind them just to contrast with Lenny Henry who was doing the other version of Doctor Who which was people running up and down the same corridor Oh I do it?
1: remember that I do I saw it
2: Yeah and that's um yeah it's it's uh, it was pretty that that's I remember that was the first time I saw him and I thought he was fantastic and I I feel bad I never seen chef I need to see chef You know what
1: I haven't seen chef either and it bothers me that I haven't seen it Because I've seen some of his other – I haven't seen all of his other stuff. And I don't know how much of it's, like, readily available over here either. Like, I haven't actually investigated it. Yeah, I've
3: only recently been able to find access to it. And I just haven't had the time to sit down and check it out. But
1: I've always wanted to. Is there a Chef Christmas special? Not that I'm aware of.
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was just they did, like, three series of, like, six or seven episodes each.
1: They know how to do TV shows over there in England.
2: They do. They do. That's it's. It's like they because yeah. When you put a story arc into a show, sometimes, and then the story arc ends, but then you go on for another four years. <laughs> what What do you do? Right. You
1: know? Well, you know what's really interesting, and not to get off topic, but that the Young Ones was only twelve episodes, but it seemed yeah. like a lot.
2: It's. I think those twelve. They're sort of all you need. It's like Faulty Towers. You know, they're only twelve Faulty Towers, but that's. Really, oh, I didn't know that that's that's what you need yeah they're they're 12 and they were made like four years apart so they feel kind of very different oh that's interesting you know
1: that. yeah it's yeah. just it's amazing how to me it seemed like the young ones was on for like four seasons
2: yeah you know <laughs> what i
1: mean and i was like well 12, that's not even a full season in america so it's no. it's really cool that they know how to like a meter out their comedy and stuff like mm-hmm. that in ways that you feel like you're getting a lot more than you are i'd be curious do you know how many episodes of a uh, bit of fry and laurie are there
2: They did four series, like about six each. So I want to say 24, possibly to 28. It
1: even seems like more than that to me.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: That was a great show too.
2: Yeah, that was a fantastic show. Yeah.
1: Another one I discovered on Bravo. They used to have like, it was like the factory for like Stephen Fry Mm -hmm. and um, Don French. Like you saw a lot of the same people on a lot of, they used to have this really great investigative reporter show with um, Stephen Fry. It was like you know, comedy, he would go and like uncover, he was supposed to be like an investigative reporter and he would go and uncover these like random things. And he found out that I can't remember why they were doing it, but like they were doing some kind of surgery and they were actually putting keys in people's bodies. I guess it was a weight gaining (laughs) surgery or something like that. And then he did one where he investigated a house like this building commit. you know, this people who built a bunch of houses on some kind of lot and all the houses were lopsided, but they were so, obviously lopsided but people were still <laughs> buying them and like the tub like you couldn't have any water in the tub because the way the, the tub was situated against the wall it was hilarious I can't remember the name of that show but it was really funny and we used to watch that all the time too with and
2: family. and Going a little further off topic, that reminds me of the old Monty Python – well, the old. They're, they're all old. Uh, the Monty Python sketch where the erecting tower blocks using a hypnotist who, who sort of he, – he erects the tower block and then everyone he's – a, he's a magician. I'm sorry. And he puts the, the, the tower block up and everybody lives in it as long as they believe in it. So they interview <laughs> one of the people. They interview someone who's like on the 14th floor and they say, well, what's it like here? Oh, yeah, it's great. It's clean and it's it's quiet and it's a really nice place. Well, aren't you worried about living in the figment of another man's imagination? And then there's a pause and he says, I never thought of that. And then they show a building falling over. And he goes, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then the building writes itself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's like being in the matrix isn't it
2: yeah it's it's um yeah those those brit those brits they're they're up to something with that comedy they are I, I...
1: they're good at it i'll give them that they're much really... i mean i mean i'm just gonna say we have two and a half men <laughs> oh yeah i know do they have I... christmas episodes yes do i think? would imagine they do and yeah. yes you had to watch them Yes, and it was horrible. I don't find any pleasure in watching that show. (laughs) I don't think I've ever actually seen a full episode, but my husband and I—I don't know why we started doing this—but we would actually turn it on for like five minutes, and every time the laugh track would come on, we would start laughing hysterically, (laughs) like it was our key to like, "Oh, this is funny! Oh my god, it's so funny!" And we would laugh to the laugh track, and we did that for like a year. That's really bizarre.
2: That is bizarre. Do you want to talk more about it? No, or is this something I for just, an after show? It just
1: recurred it just occurred to me that wow, oh. that was hmm. ridiculous. I don't know why we did that. But we did. So. But back <laughs> to Bernard and <laughs> Nagini so Lenny Henry was knighted last week oh yes wow so this is perfect timing he's really amazing he's on twitter he's actually on facebook but you can't ask to be his friend you can email him and if he knows you he'll add you but his page is open as far as i can tell and so you could scroll through it. and he doesn't post very much but it's all family stuff like you know like he posts pictures of himself but it's always like hey cuz looking good and oh. it, it's kind of neat it's just people from his family on his page which will probably Sorry. close now because everybody's gonna rush over to, to go stare at him. <laughs> go, oh, nice. <laughs> just from his family and stuff So, but he is on Twitter. He doesn't tweet a lot. I actually tweeted him last year to tell him I was watching Bernard and the genie, but he didn't tweet back.
2: I'm looking at his Twitter feed right now and he loves Tom Waits.
1: Oh, he's good people. Yeah. He's, He's actually highly political. So he apparently he is the most successful black comedian in England of all time. And that doesn't, Surprise me, but apparently, very few black comedians have even come close to getting to his level of fame. And he's really interested in diversity. And he's Mm -hmm. spoken to parliament about, I guess, quotas for like he wants a certain amount of Asians and a certain amount of black people. And he, I can't remember what they're called, but there's a group of people that I think he's a part of, and they do these things where they like, uh, We'll try to work with the BBC and the other networks there to get more diversity on television, which is Good. part of the reason why I think he got knighted. I think that's really fascinating that he does that's and I great. love it. yeah. yeah, it's great. Wow. It's, yeah, it's it is. cool that yeah. he does it. And he just spoke to Parliament, I think last year it was kind of in the news there. Um there were some news stories about it. And I think there might even be a video of him talking. I actually I think there's several videos of him talking in different places if anybody's interested in seeing his stuff. So, um and he went to Africa recently too, I think is some kind of like to raise awareness about the children and some of the problems there. But I didn't read that story, so I'm only half quoting it because I don't want to give out the wrong information. But you can Google him and you'll find a lot of really interesting stuff that he's been up to. And he still looks amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, the picture's like, so It
1: here. It's funny. When I introduced Bernard the Genie to my husband, it was over, right? It's this great movie. It's so funny. It's uplifting. makes you feel good. And the first thing David said was, Lenny Henry is a good-looking guy. Yeah, <laughs> he, <is. laughs>
2: he is. Agreed. The, I, I will say, I'm, again, I'm looking at Lenny Henry's Twitter feed. And on December 1st, someone tweeted, uh, Thank you, at Alan Cumming, at Lenny Henry, Xmas Masterpiece, XX, hashtag Bernard and the Genie. And Lenny Henry retweeted it.
1: (gasps) He retweeted mine.
2: Yeah, I saw that and I thought, is that Amanda? Oh, boy. No.
1: I think Alan Cumming's on Twitter, too. And I think I saw that tweet on his page because I was looking him up. Actually, Alan Cumming loves talking about this movie, apparently. Um, not loves but he's he talks about it and I have a quote from him if you want to hear it it's just a little blurb on his website
2: yeah. would you do it in his accent please
1: I can't speak in any accents I can barely yes, speak you can. yes you can it's Christmas with my voice I don't know how to do it but uh, so I'm just going to read it to you and not humiliate myself so here we go i absolutely love making this film i got to work with people i had admired for years like lenny and rowan and i got to fly on a magic carpet i also got to have breakfast in my trailer with gary Le- linker i don't know who that is and to stand on melvin bragg's head yes i really did i actually went up to him at a party years later and drunkenly reminded him, him of this but it didn't go down too well it's also great to have been in something like this that was shown at Christmas and has a really special place in people's hearts. This is a certain, there is a certain age bracket of person who comes up to talk to me and Bernard and the Genie is always the first thing they mention. That's nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah. And it goes to yeah. show to, to back that when I went online, all these people are like, why isn't this on DVD? I love this movie. You know, it's just a really popular, I think it's like under the table popular, like, mm-hmm some for some reason the powers of doesn't don't realize how popular it is you know, you know what i mean
2: I, d- I don't think it was it, i i would if it had, i think if it had been made by the bbc it would be out but i don't think it was made by the bbc oh. it was made by i think it was made by a production company for the bbc right and there's and like so rights issues why we with it, seen it. Mm-hmm. yeah possibly yeah
1: oh, it's such a shame such a shame
2: and here's a, is a quick spoiler, but a wonderful moment that, that I just thought of when I was looking at my notes. It's the moment when um, the genie is putting everything right in the end, and everyone sort of is in Bernard's apartment, and they're accusing him of stealing the Mona Lisa. And the lights go on, and it's a big picture of Kylie Minogue. Oh, yeah, I
1: love that part. <laughs> and they all, talk
2: about, they all talk about her smile, and it's, it's fantastic.
1: But you know what? We also didn't talk about uh, Frank Keppel, who's the elevator guy
2: oh yes uh what's it oh, i forget what that actor's, the actor's name, name is
1: dennis Lil.
2: dennis lill yeah he was on doctor who several oh, times Oh, really? he, yes he's yes.
1: wonderful he's wonderful and he's yeah. like this really good friend even though he's constantly lying he's doing these things to try it's to lying. like relate to him and be his buddy and then he gets like a really nice gift at the end and he
2: continues to lie Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he's a sweet it's character you know and he yeah. takes him to the hospital and he takes he goes in with him Mm-hmm. you know after the accident and everything and it's just ugh, it's just such a sweet movie i'm gonna watch it again like three times before christmas just so everybody knows
2: that. i'll probably yeah we'll probably watch it at least at least one more time since then because we haven't really watched my we actually watched the ab fab christmas special last night so oh
1: wow we, i don't think i've seen that either
2: it's very funny
1: oh, i fall yes. behind on my christmas specials
3: <laughs> can, um, can i mention my favorite christmas scene in the movie yes please, please oh my please. gosh please I love that um, not only do Bernard and Josephus use the magic that Josephus has as a genie to uh, exact revenge on Pinkworth and also on um, Bernard's ex-girlfriend and yes. <laughs> and his former uh, best friend. But I like that there is a scene where they go to work at the Santa's Grotto and you see Lenny... Um, Henry as Josephus steal the Santa's uh, costume, oh. and <laughs> in inside the Santa's grotto, and as children line up to visit with Santa and share their Christmas wishes, we see them exit the grotto, and each of them has had their wishes fulfilled. So we see a child riding uh, some kind of, oh, you know, motorized vehicle. Right. We see another child leaving on a pony. Um, we see all these extravagant gifts um, that only a genie can fulfill uh, coming out of the grotto. And I like that.
1: He's got the spirit. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's lovely. And it's lovely, too, because there's no for a split second. I was worried that there was going to be uh, some sort of repercussion from that. But there aren't. It's just the kids get what they want. I don't
1: know how the parents felt it's, when they got America. home. But... Po-
2: possibly, <laughs> possibly the parents, but that's another movie. Yeah, it is. At, and that one's not going to be written by Richard Curtis. No. That's like a Dennis Potter or something like that. That's yeah. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. But it's a
3: nice, it's a nice use of their magic, you know, yes. genius yeah. magic. It is. It not, is. Not for themselves for revenge. Although revenge can be important in the moment. <laughs> yes. But, and uh... it's pretty
2: hilarious when they do it. <laughs> well,
1: so. he does get his revenge when um, uh, they go, the news reporters go, cause he's donated uh pinker Pinkworth has donated like a hundred million dollars to something. And then they're like, you're going to be knighted. Well, I wish you wouldn't be. Oh, sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> yes, that's right.
2: And, and the, the reporter puts his hand to his ear. Uh, no, you're not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I love that too. So like you can get revenge without being horrible. You know what I mean? And they did a really good job at like yeah. make Bernard is obviously a very kind hearted person, you know, yes. he would never hurt anybody. Right. And, and they maintain that despite everything, mm. he never loses that kind of sense of wonder and kindness about him, you know? So oh, yeah. that's also important. And also their friendship, I think is really important. And, and without giving too much away, I mean, the friendship is also sort of about sacrifice. Like there's a point where they have to realize that they have to let go of each other, which to me, I still could cry just talking about the scene, but like, it's a very, it's a very good, strong representation of real friendship. I think in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Like the build up of it and the loyalty to it. And yeah. that sometimes you have to go different ways because your life takes you there. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And it's, it's the, the sort of classic Christmas or, or, Sort of movie like this where you know it you know it can't last as much as you'd love it to. Right. It's just – it's a fleeting – Well, then you, you, know, you just,
1: get your other happiness, you know? Yeah. And it's out yeah, there. Yeah. And it's wearing hot pants. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> She's adorable, by the way.
2: She is. She is. I love yes, that she gotta... just
1: plays with him like – he's like, oh, is this your carpet? Oh. No, the reindeer get jealous if I get on the other flying machines. <laughs> you know, like she totally just plays along having no idea that he's kind of serious, you know? This mm. is funny. Yeah. So I have a little bit more trivia. So I don't have a ton of trivia about this movie because it's not American. And what I look for is usually through American newspapers. So, But I did find some interesting stuff. I will say this did air on November twenty third, 1991, on the BBC, like we said. This movie, for some reason, is popular enough that in 2010, Dimension Films actually were going to remake it. And I guess that's because of the popularity of Richard Curtis. And I think at the time... Miley Cyrus or another one of those really popular young Disney actors was going to make a genie movie. And I don't know if she did, but I think they were looking for something to make to compete or to write on the popularity of a hot young actress making a movie about a genie. But that never came to be, which I'm kind of glad. I don't know that you can remake this movie. Uh, although it might have given it a dvd release
2: yeah it probably would have which yes.
1: would be the benefit of it and actually something really interesting is did you know that richard curtis has a character named bernard in all of his screenplays and i things. did not i, I didn't I know, did know that not. either i found an article i think it was in the telegraph that the name was actually inspired by somebody named bernard jenkin who you who either was or is the tory mp for north Esse- essex who was also the former shadow defense secretary. And then I wrote in parentheses, I have no idea what that is. But he's a political guy. And he, this guy, Bernard, used to date Curtis's ex-girlfriend and has now married her. And they all stayed friends. And so he's this ongoing joke in all of his screenplays. And so that real Bernard said in an interview, I put it down to insane jealousy over the fact that I got Richard's girl. (laughs) <laughs> so i thought that was really cool so and this is his first is this his first film screenplay do you know
2: no he did the um he did the the tall guy
1: oh is that before. oh i know i love the tall guy yeah i didn't how did i not realize that was the same person
2: i don't know do you want to talk about
1: it no but one day even though it's not a tv movie the tall guy will happen okay i'll fit it in here somewhere oh my god all right i worship awesome. that movie i worship the ground of walks on it so good that kind of makes sense, too, actually, the kind of humor it has. It's a little edgier, I guess, because it mm-hmm. wasn't television. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's got some racy stuff in it, but it's so good. Uh does, Is there anything we want to discuss in particular about Bernard before we move on? Or I wanted to talk about the
3: context a little bit. Okay, please. Oh, yes. Certainly this movie takes place at Christmas, but to American audiences, this may not feel like a Christmas movie yeah. of sorts. But actually to British audiences, it probably would feel a lot more Christmassy because Bernard and the Genie is sort of an adaptation of Aladdin, which is a very popular fairy tale. And the British have a tradition of pantomime or pantos in England mm-hmm. that we just don't yes. have over here at all, which are usually stage plays of fairy tales and and popular myths, whether it's Cinderella or it's Peter Pan or it's uh, Sleeping Beauty, you know, fairy tales, even Aladdin is another popular one. They uh, Their culture for decades and you know centuries have, have they create these stage plays for the whole family at christmas and it's really something lacking in american culture we don't do anything like that and there really is no parallel but certainly this movie would participate in that panto uh, tradition and recreating one of these fairy tale stories at christmas so some of that those nuances are really lost on american audiences and and you mentioned that there was uh, talks of a remake With a Disney star, a younger person, they would be losing, if they made that for American audiences, they'd be losing a lot of that following because that is just a a gap in American culture. We just don't get that fairy tales type uh, tradition here in America.
1: That's really interesting because, you know, every time I watch Bernard and the Genie, I think with the exception of the fact that they like have the discussion about Jesus and it's obviously set around Christmas because of the Santa helper, it doesn't have a lot of Christmas to it to me. You know, it's in the,
3: <clears throat> pardon me, it's in the background, you'll see trees, right. you'll see lights, but you're right, it, there's not a whole lot of uh, discussion of Christmas. That's and, interesting. If you watch a lot of British TV, you'll see a lot of characters, whether they're in sitcoms or dramas or movies or whatever, you'll see in the Christmas stories that the characters are putting on pantos or they're participating you in know. pantos or they're taking their kids to pantos. So you'll see a lot of that enacted in, in the television itself, but um, we don't have that kind of tradition
1: here. Wow, I,
2: I I think two two uh two I just thought of uh, offhand are um the the Ricky Gervais Stephen Merchant show extras yes. as an episode where Ricky Gervais plays a genie in an Aladdin panto in a very camp hilarious genie. I there, think there there's there, oh I'm sorry, Joanne.
3: There's also a panto in Clatterford. It's also uh, known under the title of Jams in Jerusalem, which also has Dawn French in it and Jennifer Saunders. They have a Christmas episode that where they put on a. a a panto there's even an episode of um the thin blue line with rowan atkinson
2: oh yes that's, they put yeah. on peter
3: pan uh he mm-hmm. he plays the alligator i believe
2: yeah he does play the alligator that's right yeah <laughs> in the
3: peter pan panto but and you many many christmas episodes in uh, british tv have uh of pantos
2: And there's one, uh, there's there's a show called Psychoville that in its first series, one of the the through lines going through it involves uh, pantomime being put on of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and weird things going on around it. That's more on the horror comedy end than the Christmas end, but
1: (laughs) but it's fun. You guys know your uh, pantos. Oh, sure. (laughs) Sure. Sure.
2: Sure.
1: You don't? No, I don't. That's really interesting because I do often think, oh, wow, this doesn't feel that Christmas to me. But now I know why.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's all I I have on it. I mean, uh, if if you haven't seen it, folks, go see it. See it right now. Run out. Stop. Stop listening. Watch it. Come <laughs> back. Listen to the rest of the episode.
1: Yes. Um, Joanna, do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's good. Okay. Um. So we're all in agreement that it's the greatest movie ever made.
2: <laughs> I would say it's it's in the top. It's in the top song. Okay. It's yeah. so
1: long. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to have to hang up on anybody again, like I did yesterday <laughs> with that whole. A wally Philip fiasco oh
2: boy
1: <laughs> i don't want to, to, I don't want to, to relive that because i've got two wally fans over here
2: oh boy well my my i think my wife said my wife gave me a look when i told her that i had said wally she didn't say anymore she just gave me a look okay. so i think i think she might be on team phillip
1: okay we're all on team phillip if you know what i
3: mean i even surprised myself <laughs> with
1: my wally choice <laughs> Well, yeah, but you brought up a really good point, you know, that Marsha kind of matured and, and went for the less. Not that there's anything wrong with Wally. Yeah, I want to put that out there. I like Wally. Dan, and we're totally getting off topic here. But Dan hasn't seen the Brady Brides, so he hasn't really seen Philip, like, on fire. You know what I mean? Like, the best of Philip, you know, has yet to come for you.
2: Yes, it will soon. Yes. Soon. Is there a Brady Brides Christmas? I could watch it. Uh, probably not, huh? I don't think it was on long enough.
1: Don't be sorry. Just be Wally. We all decided Bernard and the Genie is the best movie ever, and that everybody (laughs) needs to run out and see it, that Lenny Henry is mine, right?
2: (laughs) I think that's what we decided, yeah. Okay,
1: I think that's where we left off. So we're having Skype issues, so please bear with us. I think the editing might be kind of choppy, but uh, we'll give you the best episode we can. So we're actually going to move on then. and um, So the second half of our episode, and I actually haven't planned anything for this, but I did put together some tv spots that uh for christmas specials and for i don't think i got any special tv episodes i have a few random clips i'll play throughout the show but so sit back and tell me if you recognize any of these shows
0: tonight it's a spectacular movie premiere drew Barrymore's is the little girl who must save toyland from the clutches of evil i want everyone destroyed Why? she's toyland's only hope but she'll need the help of the karate kids pat marita You must remember to keep the child in you alive. Richard Mulligan is the evil Barnaby, and Eileen Brennan is Mother Hubbard in this holiday musical for kids of all ages. The all-new Babes in Toyland. Make way for one of America's favorite characters. Can one tiny reindeer save the day on a stormy Christmas Eve? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Tuesday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Help hang the star on the Berenstain Bears Christmas tree. Then join Spanky and his pals for the Little Rascals Christmas special. Next, the all-new Osmond Family Christmas show, starring Donnie and Marie, with guests Greg Evigan and Doug Henning. Then, highlights of the Ice Follies and Holiday on Ice, starring Pemming and Tony Randall. An evening of specials Monday. The Man in the Santa Claus Suit, starring Fred Astaire in seven magical roles. I'm waiting for Santa Claus, and he isn't here. He may be nearer than you think. Fred is giving out Santa suits to Gary Berghoff, a love-shy teacher. Bert Convy, a father with no time for his son. And John Biner, a bum on the run. And their new Santa suits will change their lives, a world premiere Sunday. Tonight, a very special retelling of Charles Dickens' Christmas classic, Claptrap. Trap. A Christmas Carol. Henry Winkler is the old Scrooge embittered by life. What is it you want? The past wants only to be remembered. Until life gave him a second chance. A chance for the future. That's me! In a performance destined to become a classic, Henry Winkler in an American Christmas Carol. A very merry Christmas. Oh, Crystal. Friday is Frosty's wedding day. I will not allow it! It will melt your heart like it does Jack Frost's. Then Nestor has a big problem. There's nothing he can do. It turns into the nicest Christmas gift of all. Watch Friday. Spend your holidays with USA and a special double feature of your favorite cartoon characters. First, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. Then, a holiday classic returns. God bless us everyone. Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Bah! Humbug! Well, I think you're feeling the Christmas spirit. he man and She-Ra, a Christmas special, and Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, a USA special presentation, Christmas Day at 5, for Central. Sunday on CBS, come celebrate this season with the ultimate Christmas story. Join George C. Scott and Edward Woodward, a Christmas Carol. Humbug.
1: And that is just Random ads I found while I was searching the net for Christmas commercials. Uh, I do have to ask, who here, I know Johanna has, but who here has seen the He-Man Christmas special? I have. <laughs> <laughs> is it as awesome as I think it's going to be?
2: I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty darn good. It's it's actually, I, I've watched quite a few He-Man episodes in the past year or so. It's not my favorite, but it is pretty darn good.
1: Is it? Would you recommend it, Johanna? Recommend... He Man and She Ra's Christmas. If you want to recall <laughs> He Man and She
3: Ra, yes, I recommend you watch it. If if you want to be entertained, I don't know. It's, it's it swings it, wildly it, between the best thing ever and the worst thing ever. Um, and and it's neither. It's nothing in between. It's it's both extremes.
2: If it were, I think if it were a a, a half an hour instead of an hour. Oh,
1: it's an hour. It, it would yeah. be perfect.
2: I, I just I just think it it's got some fantastic stuff and some wonderful moments. But it, yeah, it does. I just felt like it went out a little too long, like they got the pacing wrong or something. That was what I always well, thought. Well, I
1: will tell you, I fall asleep every time I watch She-Ra. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I'm going to love it. And it uh-huh. always starts off okay. And then I always end up drifting like yeah. 10 minutes into it. He-Man a little less so. But I i mean, I've seen equal number of episodes of He-Man and She-Ra. And then I, it's a handful for both.
2: Yeah, I, um, I'm i sorry. I just poured a beer. So I was having a little sip. <laughs> I thought this. It's that time of the show. Well, when you um, mention
1: He-Man, it's time to knock one back.
2: There you go. Because the, <laughs> the, the, best, the best He-Man episodes are sort of exciting and fun, charming, and actually have a nice message. You know, as, as right. semi-trite as it may be, they, they do have a, a nice message behind them. And and the, the Christmas special
3: is very trite.
2: Yes. Yes. Possibly too much. So, but if you could maybe watch it in two parts, maybe watch half one night and half the next. Well, night. I had
1: to watch it in like six parts. Cause I was fall asleep. ten minutes. That's ahead. right.
2: Watch it. I guess <laughs> five, 10 through the week,
1: chunks. through the week. I might give it a shot. I do want to see it. I'm curious. Is there a gem in the holograms Christmas?
2: Oh, no. I wish.
1: Oh yeah. No, Why not.
2: What a great show.
1: Yeah, it's a fun show. We watched it one Christmas while we made... uh I think Not Christmas. We watched it one Halloween while we did Jack-o'-lanterns, because I think they have a Halloween episode.
2: They probably do. Yeah, yeah I know. And I think they're all on Netflix and such. Oh, so. I
1: didn't know that. I actually have every episode, but I haven't oh, wow. sat down with it for a while. One of the books Joanna wrote and she mentioned is the Christmas TV Companion, which is uh, your guide to like the strangest stuff that's ever been produced. And I think it's international. Am I correct? It's things that reach American
3: audiences. So th- there are Mexican-made Yes. movies and there are british things and there are french things but these things are available um in to american audiences north american audiences
1: what is the weirdest thing that you saw when you were putting this book together
3: well and some of the weirdest stuff you know really is sort of unwatchable and and, <laughs> <laughs> and some of that isn't really worth discussing because okay. it's the only i guess point the most to...
1: entertaining weird thing you saw hmm, hmm. Because you have a lot of cool stuff in this book. Thank you. What do you think is weird and entertaining? Well, uh, I was going to say, Chris, then I added entertaining, because I saw you have the Star Wars Holiday Special in here, and I actually have a TV ad <laughs> that I set aside for that. I loved it when I was a kid, for sure. I'd Not so much as an adult, but it, it is weird, and it is definitely something I think everybody should see if they're really into pop culture, because it's kind of hard to believe it got made, and that we liked it. I mean, maybe we didn't like it. Did you like it, Dan? When, did you see when it came out?
2: I, I want to say I did, I I think I was, I, I vaguely remember see, seeing it when I was a kid. And I'm sure I probably loved it because I was, uh, I could be a dumb kid sometimes. And <laughs> But uh, I, I think actually, if you pair up the Star Wars Holiday Special with, is it Mako's, MECO, M-E-C-O, The Christmas in the Stars, Disco. Yeah. Well, it's not quite a disco album, but the Star Wars Christmas album. Oh. If you put those together, that's an interesting evening of entertainment because, <laughs> the, because the, the Christmas with the stars is actually a decent Christmas album. And, and the, uh, put those two together. It's kind of interesting to see where star Wars might have gone if they hadn't made empire strikes back. And where was that? Uh, into a really weird place where it was mainly about Wookiees and droids. That, that was, that well, was if it's about
1: Wookiees. I'm into it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Well, the, the, the Christmas album has the song, uh, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already has a comb? So it's like it's like a, and it's like I mean that title, that's like a Jim Steinman meatloaf length right. title right there. So that's that's a pretty hefty title. But it's a catchy song. So
3: I've had and to ex- think- I've had oh, to sorry. explain I'm sorry. I had to explain oh. I've had to explain over the years uh to several people that, that that Mecco album is not the soundtrack to the Star Wars holiday special yeah. from nineteen seventy eight. Oh really? And-
1: It's quite,
2: and Bon Jovi sings on it somewhere, I believe. So, So,
1: do you want to know something really weird? I'm going to play the Star Wars holiday special promo I found, but listen to what they aired afterwards. It just seems like such a weird pairing. Here we go.
0: Hey, CBS, what's coming on? Friday, blast off to a galaxy far, far away. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring all your Star Wars favorites. Will Chewbacca get home to his planet in time for the big Wookiee Holiday Celebration? Watch and find out. Then on Flying High, the girls put it on and take it off. You know what? I don't think either one of us is going to get me sleep tonight. Join us for a Far Out Friday, beginning at 8, 7 Central and Mountain.
1: You're on. Does that seem balanced at all? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: that's yeah,
1: wow. Yeah.
2: That's...
1: And I don't remember watching Flying High when it originally aired, but I can't imagine I wouldn't have watched that based on that ad because it's so Three's company to me, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I I don't have anything to say to that. That's... I wish I did. That that's almost like if if Star Wars Holiday Special ever comes out in a legitimate release, it should have that commercial included. Just to show <laughs> that if you thought the special was weird, it actually was a bit weirder.
1: <laughs> it does. It gets weirder context. after. Because you imagine oh. being eight years old and you get your Star Wars, and then they've got this whole like kind of sex crazed, you know, stewardess sitcom? Yeah. Well, That's if a, I was, if I was eight years old back
3: then, there's no way I could have stayed awake for two hours <laughs> of the Star Wars holiday special, yeah. and then you know, it, <laughs> and then another TV show. I mean, they were counting on that.
1: Yeah, they were counting, but like, and then they tried to like promo them together. It's a far out night on it's CBS. A, on CBS. and you're right. like, what's well, it's more than far out right
2: now? You, you know what I was thinking of? Um, uh, a weird thing that I just saw for the first time last year. I don't, I don't. It's not a TV movie, but it's a short film, a Christmas film. It's called The Magic Christmas Tree. Uh-huh. Yes, and it it is one of the few films, possibly the only film I know of that begins on Halloween has a pit stop at thanksgiving and ends on christmas so it covers all three holidays i don't know that it's the best film around but there's something about it that i enjoy quite a bit it's a little odd i uh it's about a kid and a magic christ talking magic christmas tree and it's um
1: oh wow it is it animated
2: a- no no it's it's live action oh. K- came up. A- came out around the same time as, like, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians oh. and Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. A few years after the Mexican Santa Claus movie with Santa and Merlin Magician and the Devil.
1: It wasn't Santa and Santos.
2: Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine that? Yeah, Santa and we- Santos versus Dracula and Hombre uh, Lobo. Oh, I was going to say Mecha
1: Godzilla, but I was crossing the oh, water there to do that. Wow.
2: That would have been fantastic. <laughs> it
1: would have been good. My money's on Santa, though.
2: Yes big time
1: you made me think of something now i totally forgot it when you were talking about like weird christmas talking christmas tree so just keep going
2: oh um talking christmas oh and there's another pardon me another one i love that i believe was a tv special called Santa and the three bears
3: yes that was, was released that? it was released in the theaters at the same time it was airing on tv
2: really okay yeah yeah it, it's it's a really charming special where almost nothing happens it's have you, <laughs> have you seen have you seen it amanda i know i don't think it, so Okay, it's it's basically it's um three bears, uh Mama Bear, who I think has the voice of like Wilma Flintstone or if if I'm not mistaken or, or someone like that, a, a Flintstone or someone. Uh her two cubs and they are um going to hibernation. There's a park ranger who sets up his uh cabin for Christmas and the two young cubs uh, discover this. They see, they sneak out of hibernation and they see this and they want to celebrate Christmas. And it's about these two bears wanting to celebrate Christmas and it's snowy and blizzardy and crazy and a lot of fun.
1: It's kind of interesting. I never thought that bears missed Christmas.
2: They they didn't miss Christmas until they realized there was Christmas. But
1: not the staying Bears because you'll oh, yeah, notice there's... they were in my loop there.
2: Yes, yes. They
1: knew. Oh. They didn't hibernate.
3: There's a couple of bear stories where they uh, wake up in the middle of Christmas and they don't hibernate. They they find out that they miss Christmas. <laughs> there's also, the, you know, the the bear who slept through Christmas with his oh, yes. feathers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now there, um, there's several
1: others too. What do we all think of Cricket on the Hearth?
2: You know what? I just I just got that on Blu-ray. <laughs> really? I, ha- I haven't I haven't watched it in a few years, so I can't, I can't. I I
1: just like saying Cricket on the Hearth for some reason. Like yeah. that was a, the first ad I looked for. There must be a Cr- Cricket on the Hearth promo <laughs> on YouTube. There must be. There must be, but I couldn't find one. I loved it. So, you know, I don't know if ABC Family still does it, but they used to do the 25 Days of Christmas. And they show all the Rinkin and Bass. And they were edited, you know. Like, they, they edited out the most heart-wrenching part of The Little Drummer Boy, which I kind of hated because I'd have to prepare myself to watch The Little Drummer Boy. Yeah. And then they took out the part that breaks my heart. Why? Because I'm prepared. <laughs> I wasn't prepared when I was eight. But now I'm prepared and ABC Family freaking cut it. But, um, but they do show everything. And so one year, I guess in the early 2000s, I think I taped everything that they aired because I didn't know how to get access to most of it. And so I didn't even care that it was edited. I mean, I cared because they took out – I can't remember what they took out from Nestor, but they did remove something that I loved. I think it was that Don't Laugh and Make Someone Cry song got taken out. Um, But they left the mother's death. That one got uh, Amanda, traumatized.
2: Amanda, how does that song go?
1: I'm not going to sing it.
2: Oh well, that's too bad. So I thought good, maybe though. I thought maybe a Christmas wish of mine would come
1: true. No, but this, that's kind of funny when you think about it. They'll take out the most heart wrenching part of the yeah. Little Drummer Boy, but they'll fucking rip your heart out for <laughs> Nestor. Why, ABC Family? But anyway, so I taped them all, and it was, and they would show Cricket on the Hearth, and they showed, uh, was it called was it the, the Night Before Christmas, the one that's the cartoon
2: with the mouse with the yes, mouse, was like, that what it's yeah. called?
1: Oh, I love that one
2: with the clocked the clock. Yeah, yes. yes, yes, yeah.
1: And uh, is that a Rankin and Bass? Yes. Okay. And, you know, Frosty. They had them all. And uh, it was so good. And now I have most of them now, like, legitimately. But I hadn't seen them since I was a kid, except for Nestor. I bought Nestor on video in the 90s and uh, tortured myself every year with it. Because I had to watch it. And I used to show it to boyfriends. And I remember I had a boyfriend right before I met my husband. And I was like, you're going to watch Nestor with me. And we were on lunch. We worked together. And we had an hour lunch. And I lived a block away from where we work, And I took him home. I put it on. 22 minutes later, he's like in tears. And he looks at me and he goes, Nestor didn't get dick in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and He's right. He's right.
2: Uh, whatever became of him, not Nestor, that guy.
1: Oh, I don't know. He he moved and we lost touch, but he had a good heart, I have to say. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> but I'll never forget him saying that. He was so like ripped apart in twenty-two mm. minutes. Yeah.
3: It's yeah. It extreme lows apart. and extreme highs. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> it's like yeah. being
1: bipolar. Yeah. Wow. Or it's like the, I- have you seen that ad with um oh my god, Danny Glover? And he's talking about that disease you have where you laugh and you can't help it and then you cry. Yeah. 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 It's one of these affective disorders. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Nestor's like. (laughs) Watching Nestor is like having that disorder.
2: I get that way during the Guess Who's Coming to Christmas Happy Days episode.
1: Oh, yeah. So let's talk about those because you mentioned those last night after we were done recording. And so, well, we should mention, I guess now is a good time to do it. I was going to do it at the end. But so we are all members of what's called the Classic TV Blog Association, which is this really cool association that anybody can join if you write a lot about television, retro television. And, um, I think there are certain parameters, like they don't want a lot of cursing or like nipple shots, which you're probably not going to have, uh, because <laughs> it's television. So the Classic TV Blog Association, uh, works in conjunction with MeTV periodically to do blogathons and blo- all blogathons are, are there where he gets everybody for the association or to volunteer to write an article which MeTV usually sets up. So they have these uh, specific seasonal programming. They do like the summer of MeTV and then all the bloggers get to pick uh, their favorite show that is airing over the summer. And then we write about it and MeTV promotes it and the classic blog association promotes it. And it's a way to get readers onto your site. It's a really great promotion. You right. usually get a lot of hits yes. from it. Um, so this season they teamed up with me TV for the first time to do a uh, very merry me TV Christmas and we've all written something for them mm-hmm. Dan I think we've all had articles published I don't know if we have ones coming up but I guess by the time this podcast comes out we'll all have had them posted so I did Father Dowling mysteries uh, the Christmas mystery and I also did one that's going up tomorrow which will be the past by the time this podcast comes out on Kojak uh, this amazing Christmas episode that is on Hulu. So if you miss it, if you've missed uh, the uh, the MeTV airing of it, you can catch it on Hulu. Um, Joanna, what did you do?
3: I did too. I did the 1980 MASH episode, Death Takes a Holiday. Oh. And I also did the 1970 Christmas episode of The Doris Day Show.
1: Ooh. Oh, right. I think there's, is there more than With one? the
2: annoying neighbor.
1: Is there yes. more than one Christmas Doris Day episode? Yes. I remember there was a party one, right, where there's an office party? Yes. That's a good and, one.
3: And this is another one. There's also another one, uh, a third Doris Day Christmas episode with Charles Nelson Reilly. Oh, Ooh. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. I have seen the one I think you've written about
1: because they're at her house, right? Right.
3: They're throwing a party and she has a curmudgeonly next door neighbor, Mr. Jarvis, who is anti Christmas and he's certainly anti Christmas party. So when she invites him to the Christmas party, uh, he of course says no. And, not only does he not want to come, but he then makes uh, constant noise complaints during the party and sort of ruins the party until eventually they decide to um start caroling and his heart is warmed and he joins <laughs> he joins the group inevitably. Aww. My favorite thing about that episode is the neighbor um Mr. Jarvis is played by Billy De who actually is the voice of Professor Hinkle in On Frosty the Snowman. Oh. Oh yeah.
2: Wow. Well
3: oh, that's cool. That's a-
2: I love it because it's so like in, in an apartment building having neighbors bothered by your your noise or bothering a neighbor with noise. It seems such a strange thing for like Doris Day, you know. It seems like that's well, she a little, lived
3: on kind of a ranch, like, didn't she? This is after she lives in the city in
1: San Francisco. Oh, okay, okay. Because I remember the ranch, so that was first. Yes, and okay. she lived
3: she lived in you know across the bridge outside of San Francisco. And each season they change and they sort of update. Oh, okay. Uh, her her. Single lifestyle,
1: but yeah, <laughs> this is later.
3: <laughs> it was cool
1: though. I well, I love the ranch house, and I actually have the whole series. I just got it, but I haven't had a chance to sit down with it. So I got I some like catching it. up it's, to do. It's a good watch. It is a good watch, and I remember like art direction wise, it's pretty cool. Like her fashions are really cool, and um, I remember when they had the office party. It was like kind of a cool office, you know, very kind of late sixties, early seventies. Her co-worker is Rose Marie. Oh.
2: oh. Nice.
1: love her everybody's co-worker should be rosemary
2: yes definitely <laughs> Definitely.
1: life would be so much easier and then let's just talk briefly then about the mash episode is that the one where somebody almost they don't want them to die on christmas day and they keep them alive till the next day yes that's okay. one of
3: the storylines uh there's uh, yeah so a soldier is um, found on the side of the road he has been shot and he's brought in and it's christmas eve or no it's christmas day Hawkeye and Hot Lips, Houlihan and uh, B.J. Hunnicutt, um, know that he's been shot in the head and he is going to die, even if he's still breathing temporarily. But rather than, you know, sign the death certificate, they do everything they can actually to keep his body functioning, if at all possible, so that they can sign his death certificate on December 26th. Because as they were examining him in triage, they discovered he is a he's a husband and a father. So he's got loved ones back home and they're trying to keep the family from being burdened by unfortunately celebrating loss and Christmas on the same day. So it's actually quite touching that they sacrifice their their holiday to help this family that they'll never meet. Right. Know, not oh, I remember Christmas. the
1: episode fairly well, that storyline, at least of the episode, I don't remember any of the other stuff, but cause uh, you know, Matt, we watch mash all the time. Like it ran like, two times a night and then we watched it was still running regularly on the network mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So we watched it like on Mondays, we watched it three times a night and then we watched <laughs> it two times a night. The rest of the week, I remember saying things to my mom, like I didn't really understand the show and it would have poignant moments like that. That I mean, they obviously translate to little kids and they're kind of hard to watch, but they had really weird stuff. Like I remember asking my mom, how come nobody, nobody laughs during the surgery scenes and she, <laughs> without skipping a beat said, Because surgery isn't funny. And I used to (laughs) think that they made the audiences sit on benches on the outdoor scenes. (laughs) Like, I didn't understand what the show was. (laughs) The laugh track. Yeah, but they had episodes like that that, like, you know, kind of haunt you as a little kid because they're so Mm. serious. And, like, there was the one where the guy, they had to put the tracheotomy in his neck, right? And there's a little clock at the bottom of the Mm -hmm. screen. Do you remember that episode? Yes. The real
2: time. Well, yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. That was intense for a little kid. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know? Yeah. Not as intense as Hawkeye having sex with hot lips. (laughs) I I just saw that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize that they had sex until I was like, I'm talking like two years ago. I watched that episode and I was like, did they do it? Because you just see them kissing and stuff. Right. And then they hate each other, whatever. And it never occurred to me that it ever got past that, but it did. Yeah. It just blows me away.
2: It was on for 11 seasons. So eventually that was probably going to happen.
1: I guess so. I mean I don't have a problem with it. I have a problem with the fact oh, that no. I've watched that show for how many years and I only now figure Didn't it out. It. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean I love Loretta Swit and I love uh Alan Alda. And it was just I mean, in real life they should have tons of babies anyway. So
3: <laughs> the second half of my Christmas episode that I wrote about, if I if I can share.
1: Yes, please. Oh
2: yes, please.
3: The plot line was actually centered around Winchester. And I don't exactly like his character. You know, we all despise his snobbery and his uh, snooty Boston uh, lifestyle. But um, this is actually a very satisfying Christmas theme or plot. He receives some very expensive um, chocolates in the mail uh, from his family. Everybody wants him to share the chocolates with the camp, but he decides to anonymously donate them to uh, the nearby orphanage. Later, he sees somebody eating the chocolates in camp and he, you know, you can't come across, you know, fine Boston chocolates in the middle of Korea. You know, it has to be Uh the same chocolates. He discovers these must've been sold in the black market. He goes straight to the orphanage director and um, confronts him about selling the chocolates instead of giving the chocolates to the orphans and giving them, you know, happy Christmas with these special gifts. And I love this. The orphanage director actually lectures Winchester on how the 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 orphans don't have food. <laughs> right. What, what kind of gift is chocolate when they can't? They don't have rice in their in their bellies. And that mm. he sold, he put those expensive chocolates on the black market so that he could actually have enough money to feed them for thirty days, nutritious meals. It it, it really touches Winchester's snobbery, and he he comes around, but it's a great tension, and it's it he gets his comeuppance, and it's a very
1: satisfying <laughs> and and charity uh, filled episode. It's, right. It's yeah, a good story. Well, yeah. I will say the thing about Winchester though. So okay, I love Larry Linville, right? I do. Of course. And I love Frank Burns, but Frank Burns is like really intolerable. You know, he's just he's he's a horrible. He he's horrible. He's stupid. I mean, he's really stupid my Burns eats worms. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Fair face, fair face. But actually, I think he's not that bad looking. I'm just going to put that out there. But anyway, so when, um, because he got Charo on Love Boat, right? Let's just mm-hmm. clarify that. So he, when he left the show, I felt like Winchester was kind of a compromise because he's, he's, also a snob, but he's a much better surgeon. He's much more competent and I think he has more likable characteristics. I actually do like Winchester. I do think he's a snob and he can be really hard to take, but I think they gave him enough pathos or whatever you want to call it yeah. to make him likable because he, he, like Frank Burns would never come around. First of all, he would never give his chocolate to anybody,
0: mm-hmm. right? He just right.
1: wouldn't. And Winchester does even if it's for the wrong reasons or he thinks he's doing something very, like, it's mighty white of him to give these kids his chocolate, basically we're coming from and that's not necessarily right right either but he understands it later Frank Burns would never understand it and that's what I liked about Winchester because he had a lot of issues but they also gave you reasons why he had those issues and they also sort of gave him enlightenment moments throughout the run of his character Mm -hmm. sure and And I
3: really you're right and I think the that's also partly the series got more sophisticated as audiences wanted wanted more and that was how we kept that show on the air for 11 seasons Is because it it gave the characters more substance and, and more adaptability as well. Yeah,
1: I do think, though, that uh, Loretta Swit's character transformed the most. And I think now that I'm an adult, I really appreciate... Because apparently she fought a lot to to have that arc that she has through with her character throughout the run of the series... And um, I think even Alan Alda talked about it, uh, maybe on MeTV, because, you know, they have these clips where they talk about um, right. remembering the show. And I feel like he might have said something there or somewhere else. But she fought really hard because Hot Lips was also kind of a Frank Burns-like character. And in some ways, I feel like they wrote her into a, a corner, like they did with Frank, you know. And mm-hmm. But she was able to work her way through it. And she did an amazing job. Yes. You know? And ugh, she's amazing. That's all. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. But um so that's a really good episode, but definitely not a pick me up. I mean, it definitely has a Christmas feeling to it, but then it's also mm-hmm. kind of poignant at the same time. Yes, so that's an interesting choice, Dan?
2: Well, mine is a little well, it's got its poignant moments uh, I actually am doing three episodes. The first one is an episode called The Madonna. Which is oh. the Mag- the <laughs> yeah. MacGyver yes. Christmas episode? It's not.
1: It's not my Madonna. It's no, my it's no not Madonna. your Madonna.
2: It's not M Madonna. Anyway. Yes, and the interesting thing about the MacGyver Madonna episode is that he, um, apart from one moment where he does something that we think of as MacGyvery, throughout the entire <laughs> episode, he's just a guy. It's it's him and. I completely forgot the name of the bald guy he works with.
1: Elkar, I don't remember his character's yes. name, but
2: yes. Yes, and they they're they're basically bringing gifts to uh, like inner city boys and girls club for their Christmas pageant. The weird thing about the episode is the first time I watched it I thought this is one of the most I mean I my emotions were being tugged at so hard it like it hard it, it hurt my me, you know, it was just like stop, you calm down. <laughs> you know, it's too it's too much. It's too much. But I watched it three times to do the review. And by the third time, while there were some things about it that still bothered me, I got it. And I, I figured out what they were up to. On my my blog post, I don't give away the ending. But I don't know have you guys seen I mean Joanna, I you've seen, seen, it.
3: seen. Yeah. I've I've seen it and I've written about it.
2: Okay, yeah. The um there's a framing story about wooden Madonna statue being stolen from a church and all they hear like a squeaky wheels uh, as all these plot lines are going around this boys and girls club about you know like this one kid who could really be something if he just focused and this little girl who's one of the main girls from the movie Ginger snaps and f- oh. she was in freddy vs. jason sure. i forget her name I didn't talk about- uh she's she's got stage fright for the big pageant and there's this homeless um woman with her big shopping cart who may be an angel mm, possibly and it's funny because all these stories sort of run together, and then at the end, this Madonna plot line is resolved when they're all standing in the church, and they're like, oh, the Madonna's not coming back. And then you hear a squeaky noise, and a kid comes in with a wagon, and he's got the Madonna in the wagon. And if you've ever seen Dragnet, there's a Dragnet Christmas episode that has the exact same plot line: A Madonna disappears, and it turns out in the Dragnet episode, I'm going to spoil this, it's 60 years old, folks, so forgive me but <laughs> it, it, in the uh, and the dragnet episode is really lo- the radio uh version is the best i think but in the dragnet episode it's uh, this madonna goes missing in this poor section of los angeles and this child basically wheels in madonna in this the madonna in this wagon and they say what did you do what what's going on why did you take the madonna and the little kid says basically i prayed to the madonna all i wanted for christmas because he's from a very poor family all i wanted for christmas was a wagon and i told mother mary that if i got a wagon she'd get the first ride in it so the kid gets the wagon he comes to the church and takes mary for a ride and the the which Madonna's, is very sweet it's, it's
3: very- extremely
2: it's extremely sweet yeah yes. and it's like you could see like the the joy of jack webb is that he could he was in dragnet he's so terse and he could be so unemotional, but then there are moments where his emotions shine through, and it's really lovely. And MacGyver, it seems to be just plain ripping off the dragnet thing for that Madonna plot line, which is only a small portion of the episode, until I realized, and you probably have realized this too, Joanna, but it took me three viewings to get what was going on. I didn't actually put this on my blog post, but can I have one minute to to say what I think was going on? Yes, please. Because the Madonna disappears at the beginning. You hear the squeaky wheels. They're looking for the Madonna. They can't find it. At one point, they go through the homeless woman's shopping cart. They think they find the Madonna, but it's like a garden gnome, an old garden gnome. And the episode ends, and this little kid comes in, and the man who carved the Madonna also carved a baby Jesus to go in Madonna's arms. The the Madonna, not Madonna, like Madonna. Yeah, that'd like, be a
1: great sculpture, Like, bitch,
2: bitch, i Madonna. Madonna, yeah. not that one, the, the other Madonna. Uh, as they're all standing there trying to figure out where does this Madonna go, this kid comes in with this wagon. And you're like, if you've seen Dragnet, you go, oh, okay, but even if you haven't seen Dragnet, you go, oh, okay, the kid took the Madonna for a ride and they put the Madonna up there. And the Madonna has like a little, uh, I, I assumed it was from the wagon ride, has a bit like taken out of the palm of her hand, is like carved out, like it got scratched out. And the guy's like, no, I can fix that. I can fill that in. And then it cuts to Mac and Dana I- I- Claire. Uh, Yeah, there, and they they get looks on their faces like, what? And then it goes to a freeze frame. And the first two times I watched it, I thought, what the heck are they doing there? (laughs) Then the third time I realized what they were doing because the Madonna disappears, you hear the squeaky wheels, and this is going to sound ridiculous because I'm sure every MacGyver fan listening – knows exactly what I'm going to say. (laughs) Oh, they do. It took me three viewings to get it, and I'm very proud of myself. Why would a new wagon have squeaky wheels? Well, it probably doesn't, although it actually does in the episode. What you realize is that it it basically it cuts from the missing Madonna to Mac and his boss loading a truck with a van with gifts, and then it cuts to the old homeless woman in an alley getting bothered by kids And suddenly, the third time I watched it, I realized her shopping cart is squeaking. The squeaking they heard was the Madonna statue coming to life, becoming a homeless woman, pushing the shopping cart towards Mac so he could help save the Boys and Girls Club and everybody else. And at one point in the episode, she hurts her hand, and that's the damage that's on the statue. And the little boy, when he says he took the Madonna for a ride, he doesn't say... I got the wagon and took her for a ride. He says, I got the wagon and the Madonna was in my wagon. So I took her for a ride. So when the angel, when Madonna, when the mother Mary finishes her business in the episode, she appears in this child's wagon and the child takes him back to the church. And that's how the episode ends. And the moment I realized that I got chills, but then I thought everyone probably already realized that the first time they saw it. And I'm just not that observant.
3: No, I, this is this is the first time all of those pieces have come together for me. That's, that's
2: okay. pretty good. <laughs> good. Okay. Yeah, because if you go and you watch it again, not that you need to, it's not the best MacGyver episode, but if you go and watch it again, it makes sense. That moment when she comes to life is to help everyone at the Boys and Girls Club, and the squeaking is misdirection. And it's like you watch it and go, wow, they actually did a really nice job with this really saccharine, over-emotional it's like a very special episode of MacGyver, but it actually.
3: It's more it's, super, it's more supernatural than I expect from MacGyver. Yeah. Can, yeah can she
1: break out of a vault with a hairpin and gum?
2: Are you picking on the Madonna right there?
1: <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making an observation.
2: Well, uh, I will say this to, to, to ground us back in MacGyver reality. The episode before it features Audrey Landers as a rock star singing about saving all the kids in the world from drugs. And uh, and well, Mac does of Mac does a lot of Mac stuff in that.
1: Okay. So. Well, plus Audrey Landers.
2: Yes, exactly. So so I just wanted to when I realized that that's what hap- was happening in that Christmas episode, I thought, oh wow, that's much more well done than I had thought it was. So <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, so so That's so, a yeah, Henry so
1: Winkler joint.
2: Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, Henry Winkler and Terry Nation, the man who created the dialects for Doctor Who back in the oh, sixties.
1: They'd I was always done. surprised that to see Henry Winkler was behind MacGyver because I Excellent. wasn't thinking of Fonzie producing things, but he <laughs> yeah. did really well for himself. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> yeah, and speaking
2: of Fonzie, yeah, the other two episodes I'll be reviewing will be the Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, Happy Days episode, the classic second uh, season episode where um, the Fonz is alone at Christmas, and then Christmas Time, where the sailor goes to the Fonz's house and delivers uh, um, a gift from the Fonz's dad. Yeah. Those will be – I haven't written those yet. I'm really struck
1: by that one because I don't remember seeing it. And you tell me Fonzie's dad is in it.
2: That's all I'm going to tell you.
1: I've never seen his dad. So, like, is it like, is he caught? Is he like a dad? (laughs) Like, you know, like, I can't envision Fonzie's dad.
2: You know what's funny? There's an episode much later that might have Fonzie's mom. And I think I could see that woman and this man giving birth to Fonzie. I think. Wow. I think, I think,
1: I okay. think, I can't,
2: I'm no genealogist. Well, I'm
1: really glad that these are coming on TV because I, you know, I thought I'd seen every Happy Days and I probably have. I just probably haven't seen that one since like I was a kid. Cause I know I've seen every Laverna Shirley episode, but I've like, I've wiped out a lot of the LA episodes <laughs> because oh,
2: yeah. well,
1: they're not quite as good.
2: There's that two-parter where they have to break into the boss's office and steal the letter, and they do it that, Mission Impossible style. Oh, that's yes. That's so, that's so good.
1: That's a great That's a
2: great one. Yeah. That was one of my – when I was a kid, and they do it, the first episode is the letters in the office. The office is locked, and then they do the Mission Impossible style where they steal the letter, and they get out of there. And I was laughing and going, yes, they did it. And then it immediately cuts to them all standing in the apartment, and Laverne says something like, that's how we're going to do it. And then it <laughs> yeah. says to be continued.
1: That's like hilarious. What? Well, their physical comedy is unheralded. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. That made me think of the time that Jack had to steal a letter. I can't remember if he had to steal it for somebody, but I think it was a critic wrote a review of his restaurant Oh. And he wrote, it's a later episode with Terry, you know, um, Priscilla Barnes, and he <laughs> he writes a letter, and then it turns out the review isn't as bad as he thought it was going to be, so he's, he goes to retrieve the letter. It's not Mission Impossible style, but it's got <laughs> some really funny moments in it, and it just occurred to me that those shows ran back-to-back for a while. So in yeah. my dreamland, those episodes <laughs> ran concurrently on the same night. Yes. <laughs> Everybody at ABC got together and decided it would be the "Let's try to steal a letter back" episode for all the shows on Tuesday night.
2: Joanna, may I ask you a question?
1: Sure, please.
2: What, what, uh, what is because because I, I can think of mine, and I'm sure I can think of Amanda's. No, I'm kidding, Amanda. Um, your your earliest Christmas TV special or TV movie memory, and and possibly the one that sparked you to write three books and all these other things about it.
3: Well, so my earliest Christmas favorites were the homecoming the 1971 Christmas TV movie that ended up inspiring the uh, Walton's TV series Mm -hmm. and also the house without a Christmas tree that TV movie both of those were annual events we me and my sister loved waiting for those Mm -hmm. of course you know Charlie Brown Christmas Rudolph Frosty the Grinch yeah you know those were classics and every year we would watch those as well but uh I especially remember the homecoming and the house without a Christmas tree. You can tell exactly how old I am because of uh, my favorite Christmas. <laughs> you can say you saw it in runs. I,
2: I was I was going to say yeah. You could tell how, how old I am by I think I remember the first show I Christmas show I remember watching very specifically sitting with my sister was Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Yes. The 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 uh, Christmas Eve it aired. I remember my sister and I sitting in my grand my grandparents' house. It's my grandparents' used to live across the street from my other grandparents. So we used to, my mom and dad grew up across the street from each other. So on holidays, we used to go to one family and then we cross the street and go visit the other family.
1: That's great. That's easy.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. Cause it was, cause one side of the family, my, the, the Budnick side, my dad's side, they were raucous. There were a lot of kids. They were loud and crazy. The other side, they came, all came over from Poland in the mid fifties. So they were a little more Polish. They were a little, they were a little cool. They weren't as raucous is what they were. And, um, I just, I just remember being there in the Polish side, the, the house, the night they showed Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. I was five, I think. My sister was three, and we sat there entranced by, you know, Big Bird trying to figure out how Santa got down the tree, and um, Bert and Ernie reliving the Gift of the Magi. Although I, I hadn't read it at that time, <laughs> and just really, uh, yeah, that, that for some reason, that and the reruns of Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, the Happy Days episodes, were some of the first things I remember.
3: Oh, well, that's nice.
2: Yeah, it was, and even the Guess Who's Coming to Christmas is when they added on the new bit. Where Fonzie would sit—was he sitting with Richie, like reliving the story with him, or something like that? And then they segue into the actual episode. I think that's how they they repeated it. Oh, I really? Remember. They
3: added that, and that's because... been done, and that's been done again and again on TV.
2: Yeah, that that was because the Guess Who's Coming to Christmas was during season the first two seasons when the show was shot single camera with a laugh track, mm-hmm. and then. It became really popular and it was multi camera with a loud raucous audience. You oh, know, whoever sc- Jenny Piccolo. Whenever, whenever Scott <laughs> Baio would come out, they would applaud for ten seconds and everyone would have to- you know, wah, if, wah, like wah. you know, someone would say, "Where's Chachi?" and then Chachi would walk in, and he, had, you know, he'd be about to say something funny, and then Scape would have to stand there for ten seconds, <laughs> yeah. trying not to look uncomfortable as the crowd clapped. Well, but the
1: the, the charm—I'm sorry, just real quick—the charm of the later episodes was that they started freaking doing that for everybody. Like Flip would come in, Flip. Woo, yeah. it's
2: fun. Even like, yeah, Melvin Belvin would come. Oh, try.
1: Melvin Belvin. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but not KC. Did, did they clap for Casey? I never clapped for her. I, no,
2: I don't think they ever did clap for Casey. I don't think anyone ever understood Casey.
1: <laughs> Casey was misunderstood. That's a good way yeah. of putting it.
2: And they they actually, in the and this is not Christmassy at all, but the last season of Happy Days, they did what they did with the last season of Dallas, where all of a sudden the cast got like cut drastically. Yeah. And so, so it's like – which was great because that meant in Happy Days that you had the main characters there for the last season. Whereas in Dallas, it was confusing because you had plot lines go here, right, hith- right. hither and thither, and it was a little tough to follow. But, but, uh, but that's not Christmassy. And Dallas never had a Christmas episode. That's surprising. Doesn't that, doesn't that break your heart? It does. They had snowy episodes, but, um, but not Christmas episodes.
1: That's a good question, Joanna. Were there a lot of nighttime soaps that you remember doing Christmas episodes? No, very few. Huh. And um,
3: dramas are always least likely to do it. Sitcoms always do it. Right. And and are more likely to do many. But then some dramas, some hour-long dramas do Christmas episodes, and sometimes they even do
1: multiples. Like ER did one every year. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Huh. I was surprised to see that Kojak did one because Kojak, I don't associate with like holidays.
3: Yeah. That show is so dark. And even the Christmas episode
1: is dark. It's dark, but but I think they pulled some really great like sense of hope out of it with some of the characters, Yeah, you know, and, um, and it was interesting the way they had everybody's kind of lives intersect. But I thought, wow, what an interesting choice for a Christmas episode. And, and cop shows often do Christmas episodes. Yeah, well, I remember the T.J. Hooker one because we have a bunch of T.J. Hookers on DVD. For some reason, I keep pulling out this one disc and going, oh, I'm going to put this one on. And it's always the same episode. <laughs> and it's always the Christmas episode where Heather Locklear, I think, thinks she's going to get a baby or something. Like, I feel like there's a baby. There's like a robbery or something. But this couple rob somebody. And I feel like a baby gets in the mix. And then Heather Locklear at the end. I feel like she wants the baby but it doesn't happen. I'm not quite sure, but that's the one I've seen more than in the other episode.
2: I I watched the White Shadow Christmas episode the other day. I, I I'd never seen the White Shadow before. Yeah, I don't think
1: I've seen it. Yeah, there's two
3: Christmas episodes with the White Shadow.
2: This is the one where um uh there's one guy who's his what is it his he, I I don't know any of the characters unfortunately. Um his his ex-wife is pregnant or something and is they're the start again. And no, no, it's not the star. Um, the star doesn't do anything. The main guy doesn't really do anything in the episode. And one of the guys becomes like Santa Claus to make money, uh, to get his sister, like a big, um, stuffed animal doll that she wants.
3: Yeah, I remember that one. The big, tall basketball
2: player. Yeah, yes, yes, and it's, he it's like. A-
3: the Santa Claus
2: role, yeah. Yeah, and it's like his name is like I forget his name is like Warren or something like that. Yeah. And a kid sits on his lap, and 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 Santa says, "What's your name, little boy?" "Oh, my name's Warren." "Oh, my name's Warren too." "Well, I thought your name was Santa Claus." "Warren Santa Claus." And it's it's kind of it's that was my favorite scene in it. I I it it was unfortunately one of those episodes where I um I felt like s- some shows you can wander like Bewitched. I only watch the Christmas episodes at Christmas time. I don't really watch it throughout the year. But other episodes, like the White Shadow, I felt like I needed a little more background on the characters
1: for it to make full sense. Maybe, I mean, I've never seen the White Shadow, so I can't speak to that. But that makes yeah. sense.
3: Yeah, I like the White Shadow. I, I like watching all the um, basketball players uh, go through their high school years and experience yeah. their teen years. It's a good show. I like it.
2: Yeah, with a with a Van Patten thrown in there. So oh, with Van Patten. Uh the one who is in the Master with Lee Van Cleef. Oh, I think he's okay. The director. He's the director. Well, there's now. a
1: couple of directors. There's Nels, Vince, Timothy, Timothy. Yeah.
2: No, no, no. it's Vince. It's Vince.
1: It's not. Wait, no, Vince but, Van Patten is blonde, and he was in Hell Night, right?
2: Oh, it's not him. It's the other. It's it it's must
1: Timothy. Be. Yeah.
2: Timothy. Okay.
1: I love the Van Pattons.
3: I love Kevin Hooks.
1: Kevin Hooks became a director. Yes, he's on The White Shadow, too. Yes, he is. That's right. He was also in, um, oh, my God, the Freddie Prinze, Can You Hear the Laughter docudrama. He plays his buddy. And I think that's the first thing I remember seeing him in. I like him.
2: May I ask, what are your, your favorite, um, both, both, both of you and me, your favorite Christmas TV movies and TV specials to come back to? I know Bird and the Genie, obviously, and I know and I know some of those, but are there others like that you have to return to every year?
1: Uh, we watch Silent Night, Deadly Night every year, but that's not a TV movie.
2: You can enjoy Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is all about Christmas
1: now. <laughs> it's so good, you know, but we it's we fun. haven't seen the sequels. We've only seen, like, I've seen part two, right? I've seen part Sorry. two, but we decided to watch three, four, and five, but we three is horrible. And so we watched three last year, and then our hearts were just broken, and we were like, let's wait and see about part four. So four. here we are. Here we are, four. and we're four is a,
2: a Four is a Brian Yuzna. Yuzna, is that That's his name, what David film? said. Yeah, and Absolutely. so he he made *Return to Living Dead* three, which I think is enough yeah, to. Oh,
1: uh, oh, it's a great get, movie! Yeah,
2: re, yeah, that's fantastic. So Silent of Night* and Night Four is is worth is worth the viewing. It's a very strange film, but it's got Clint Howard.
1: Well, it can't be as bad as Part Three.
2: Yeah, yeah, Part Three is.
1: But you know what? I'll be honest. I we don't have necessarily. So my husband's Jewish, right? So he didn't grow up uh With any kind of Christmas, like he was an anti-Christmas, obviously, but like he didn't watch a lot of the shows growing up, like he watched TV series and they would have Christmas episodes, but I don't think he had like, you know, a need for that. And he likes it turns out, he, I think he likes Christmas more than I do. Um, oh, wow. So he he's the one that's like into like buying gifts and things like that, which is great for me. I'm not complaining, (laughs) but like, you know, I haven't worked in a while because I went back to school and I haven't had a lot of money. But every year he wants to have a Christmas. And so we used to have a tree, but we moved. So we gave up the tree and now we just have all the little Rankin and Bass dolls. And Mm -hmm. so we put all the Rankin and Bass tchotchkes that we've collected over the years out. (laughs) I have uh, I don't even know how many abominable snowmans at this point. And we watch a lot of the Rankin and Bass Uh, Christmas specials but we don't necessarily watch certain ones every year we just grab the ones that are we have on hand Mm -hmm. and we'll usually just play them and while we put the little ornaments out and I don't know I mean we do watch Bernard and the Genie that's something that my husband really really likes and Mm -hmm. uh, it's like when it's over we want to watch it again immediately sure yeah you know but we always wait another year and we did buy uh, like one of those little DVD packs of all the special Christmas episodes for like Cheers And The Odd Mm. Couple, but we don't even watch those every year. We're kind of funny. And I used to watch (laughs) Nestor every year, but a lot of stuff has happened. Our life has been really tumultuous over the last five years as far as um, we've moved a lot and there's been a lot of different jobs and things like that. And so um, it's like if it's too emotional, Mm. he's like, let's not do that right now. And he won't. He doesn't. He has no affinity for the Brady's. Like, huh. he, he didn't grow up watching The Brady Bunch, so I do Very Brady Christmas by myself. Mm. Mm. So uh. I, I can't say I have, like, a special – I mean, Nestor Along Your Donkey is is my favorite, you know, okay. everything. And so mm. – and I try to watch it every year when I'm up for it. And, and then Bernard and the Genie and, the, and A Very Brady Christmas, but I think that's really kind of the ones that I think about at least watching every year. Otherwise, mm-hmm. just throw it at me, and I'll probably watch it.
2: Mm-hmm. Did, may, may I just say real quick, when you mentioned – um the Rankin bass a few years ago my wife was in a musical production of rudolph the red hosed reindeer which was a a camp variation and she played yukon cornelia the kind of lesbian prospector who um it's who's out. yeah and she had she has somewhere around here we still have the the pickaxe that oh, she cool. had that she she would lick the tip of it and go nothing <laughs> that's was, my favorite
1: part actually. I she's, do that all the time.
2: She was fantastic. I, she had her own song. I forget I forget how the song went, but it it was pretty great. So
3: that's cool. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. But um but uh Joanna, your yourself, um the your your absolute favorites? Do you...
3: Well, I'm usually working a lot at you know, between oh. uh, Thanksgiving oh. and Christmas. There's always stuff on. But if I'm watching to entertain myself, I always love Rudolph. Sure. I, I still love the classics. I love the Charlie Brown Christmas. I starred in a, a second grade stage production of uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. I was cast nice. as Peppermint Patty. <laughs> I still remember all the lines of dialogue. My best friend at that in second grade was cast as Lucy. So I, I remember she has more lines than I had. So I remember all the Lucy lines. I still love um, watching that. And And as soon as I see the opening shots of the ice skaters and I hear Christmas time is here right at the beginning, that's when I know it feels like Christmas. You know, that's when the holiday season can begin. I love returning to that every year, even though I've seen it every year, um, you know, since since as long as I can remember. I also like seeing uh, the things that I haven't seen as many times as some of the others. I like to catch up on something I haven't seen in a couple of years. And I, I do watch an awful lot of British TV. Mm-hmm. So I'll dig out the Father Ted Christmas episode. Uh, know.
2: You know, what's weird is I was just writing down a little list of things that I watch. And I just wrote FT. That's for Father Ted, a Christmassy Ted. Yeah. That's one. My wife and I watch that probably about twice a year.
3: Yeah, we love that series. And mm. uh, of course, we love the Christmas episode, too. And That's to be nice. honest, we love Vicar Dibley. We frequently yeah. will um, get the whole series out on DVD at the library over the holidays, and we'll just we'll just marathon through it through the holidays to entertain ourselves. So good. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, you know, Joanna, you wanted to mention the gathering, didn't you? That's another classic uh, Christmas TV movie. One I'm asked about all the time. I think it's 1977 with uh, Ed Asner yes. and Maureen mm, Stapleton. Yes. Um, I wrote about it for um, your
1: blog, Amanda. You did. It's still one of the most popular posts I have. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, I love hearing that. It's like right underneath the article I wrote about the TV stars and Playgirl. No joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the internet. That's uh... yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, it's wild and wooly. No <laughs> so pun intended.
3: We were we were for that blog post. I remember we were able to take advantage of the fact that um, I happen to live in northeast Ohio and there were um, exterior shots in that movie shot here in northeast Ohio in the city of Hudson and also in Chagrin Falls, which are both communities sandwiched between the southern Cleveland suburbs and north of Akron. So I went there and found those location shots again and took photos, and
1: uh, we included them in your blog yes, post. I remember. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, it's that really was cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, everybody should check that out if you haven't already. I have a feeling some people listening have probably have because I does get a lot of traffic. Like, I'm always amazed I go on, and it's never a blog I wrote. <laughs> it's always Joanna's blog Come on. It's always Joanna's blog post. Oh, look, <laughs> The Gathering oh, we love this one. And then they never (laughs) come back because they've read the one post. No, No, it is. It's very popular. though. I have to say it's lasted years. I mean, I'm not kidding. The only other article that gets that much traffic is the Playgirl article. And I'm even surprised that that gets as much traffic as it does. But The Gathering, not so much because it's it's a classic. It is. And it's Ed Asner. And what's
3: kind of cool is in these two uh, podcasts that we've done in the past two days, we've actually touched on the three things that I'm most asked about as a Christmas entertainment expert, the three things I'm I'm most asked about are Rankin-Bass animated specials, the Star Wars holiday special, and Christmas <laughs> horror. So we've touched on all three of those, wow. which is,
1: which is fantastic. Interesting. Um, it is. I mean, I guess the Christmas horror one, I'm a little surprised at because it feels like such a kind of a sub-sub-genre. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I always think it's just for horror people. But and... people want to talk
3: about it. You know, yeah. they often say, what is the appeal? Or, you know, why do people want to watch these things? What's the appeal of a axe-wielding Santa, etc.? Well, what is what
1: is unappealing about that? I mean, it's like... <laughs> I, I mean, because it turns it on its ear. I mean, who doesn't love something that puts a spin on something traditional, right? Whether... I mean, I can see it's very cynical and it's taking the joy out of the holiday. But, you know, it's kind of like, I think... Did you say it that some people don't have good holidays, you know, yeah. and and a holiday for them is like they've got to suck it up. And so in some ways, uh those movies translate differently. Do you know what I mean? To people, because they do sort of they take that jaded view of the holiday, which is and and the fact that I think that it does kind of turn it on its ear you're not expecting that you're certainly not expecting it because uh if you were silent night deadly night wouldn't have gotten as much protest as it did because yeah. weren't people like taking their kids to see it and then they had the santa with the axe in the advertising campaign mm-hmm. i mean like it just did things that people weren't expecting for better or worse it did it but it, it was it did it and it got attention and it was interesting
2: yeah i i remember oh i'm sorry joanna
1: well,
3: I was just going to say that it really speaks to how rigidly we expect Santa to behave in a very, in very narrow, you know, constraints. That he right. is magical, he's four children, he's, um lives in the North. You know, what we believe about Santa is very limited and any kind of challenge to that is really offensive and striking and people go nuts about. They yes, do, yeah, it gets attention. He's a very powerful uh character yeah. in our culture.
1: It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But but one of the things about the movies back back then, 70s and 80s, whenever it was Santa killing, it was always very specifically not Santa. It was always right. someone, you know, it was it was never like Santa's, you know, it's like 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 in Futurama, like Robot Santa, you know, coming to <laughs> kill everyone or something like that, right. you know? It was it was very specifically an unbalanced person, it, whether it be Tales from the Crypt, Christmas Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, but the uh,
1: thing about Silent Night, Deadly Night is that Billy grew up thinking it was Santa. Like, he didn't know. And even later, I don't think he could fully intellectualize that it was a guy who was just robbing people and killed his parents. Like, he could never separate. So, the thing about Silent Night, Deadly Night is you, I can see people sitting at it, and it is what it is, right? It's a it's a throwaway horror movie. It's, It's exploitation. It is what it is. But if you watch it every year like I do for however many years and you start to pay attention, I mean, they give a lot of characterizations to Billy and it, it actually makes sense. Like the descent makes sense to me. So even though it's like not the best acted film, it's it's probably not technically at all, which you consider a good film, but it does take time to build on why, Billy does what he does. And I, so I would disagree to an extent because it isn't Santa and we, the audience know it's not Santa, but at the same time in the protagonist's head, it, there's no separation.
2: That Yes. Santa is death. Yes.
1: And And that's really fascinating. And that kind of like, it makes it even worse, right? To the people that Mm -hmm. don't like that stuff. Like Joanna was saying that, that sort of bubble we have where they can't press outside of it or expand past that and do different things with the character. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I think it's really interesting because cause that line never gets crossed where you can go, it's just, I mean, at the end it is, it's Billy, but but he never yeah. understands the difference, mm-hmm. you know.
2: And you wish he could. You always feel oh, well, bad Billy's for great. Billy. You Up, know yeah, yeah. You don't want
1: anything to happen he's to Billy. He's a
2: heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: he's such a sweet kid.
2: Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. He's with crazy grandpa to nutty. Oh, I
1: love it, crazy but... grandpa. He knows oh. thems that be oddy and thems that be nice.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love yeah. grandpa.
1: So my husband thinks that Billy was always crazy, and Billy fantasized that the grandpa talked to him.
2: I' am gonna disagree.
1: Yeah, most people do disagree, but because
2: he- I, I, I grew, I when I was in boy in the in the Boy Scouts, we used to do a lot of time in nursing homes, helping folks out and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I remember we used to go there for like four or five years at Christmas. Uh, we used to go there and hang out with everyone and no one actually came up to me and did what grandpa does
1: (laughs) thank god
2: but we had there were variations so it's like i can see like there were people who were like confused why we were there and stuff like that so it's like it's like i could so when that when i saw that i was like okay i I think I've seen something. Yeah. Well,
1: it doesn't make sense because he doesn't fantasize about anything else. I mean, he does have sexual fantasies, obviously, but he sure. doesn't, um, he doesn't have those kind of weird dark fantasies. Like,
2: yeah. If you're raised Catholic or whatever it was, he was raised, which I c- commiserate with you. Yeah. All kinds of that's, it's craziness. It's yes. craziness.
1: So that's a movie I like to watch every year. For better and you know, course.
2: Can, can, can I say the, the weird thing about Silent Night, Deadly Night is the film is not terribly flamboyant in its direction. No. It's pretty It's pretty straightforward. There's a lot of just pointing the camera right, and doing the business. But there's that one shot where like the deputy goes down like some steps.
1: Uh-huh. I know what you're talking
2: about. And like, and like the camera like goes up over his head and goes down the steps. <laughs> and it's like it's completely incongruous to the rest of the film. I wonder if that was
1: like the first shot or if he yeah, had second awesome. unit do it.
2: Possibly, yeah. That's what I always thought. It was either like, this is our first shot, and they did that, and then the producer came in and said, yeah, that took a half a day. We need right. to get this film done by Thursday. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we won't do that anymore.
1: Yeah, no, just point it left. But it also, I always think like when I see really amazing scenes in movies that maybe Second Unit showed up.
2: Took yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, most likely, yeah.
1: I have two more. I have two more sound bites. Oh, yes, Do you want to hear them? Because I don't think any Christmas is Christmas – Without this.
0: Alf's in a one-hour special. Ow! When the Tanners lose out, he makes some new friends to get back Ow! home. It's now special Christmas. So,
1: who has seen the Elf Christmas? Me. <laughs> I know Joanna has.
2: I don't remember. it. I'm so pretty
1: sure I didn't see it. So, is it He-Man good, where it's like, it's not entertaining, but you should see it if you want to see it? No, it's good. It's good? Yeah. I have mixed feelings about Elf. Like, I get he's kind of smart, but... It's also Alf, and there are two Alf Christmas, oh there are,
3: yeah, there's an hour long special, and then there's also just a half an hour now which one would you suggest? I like them both, you like them both, yeah, in the half hour episode, it's sort of um you get to see this alien sort of discover what Christmas is all about, so he misinterprets you know what gift giving is about and what the traditions are all about, and that's sort of adorable. Do they give him a cat to eat, yeah, or you know and yeah. The <laughs>
2: Cram it in the stocking, yeah. Isn't that, that's sort of like the Mork Christmas episode, Morgan Mindy, where he, uh. Um, oh,
1: I love that Morgan, episode. Morgan
2: Fairchild being really bitchy. You know what,
1: though? They give Morgan Fairchild a little bit of characterization, too, because isn't there a part where she's leaving the house and she kind of indicates that she has no one to spend Christmas with? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I kind of, my heart breaks a little for her.
2: And you think, come on, you're Morgan Fairchild. You could just you're walk lying. down the street,
1: right? Some people yeah. spend Christmas with you.
2: Please, this just, is Boulder, Colorado. You're in. You yeah, I'm pretty be, sure
1: if I could be Morgan Fairchild for a day, <laughs> and I would have to give my soul to Satan, I would still do it.
2: Joanna, I was, yes. I was, I, I was looking at. I have a little list of um, things I watch regularly every Christmas. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get
1: to change the subject. Oh, oh
2: no, oh no, uh, because one of them, I realized that I want to say within the past year, may, you reviewed the Green Acres. Yes. Christmas. I love Green Acres. It's one of my favorite shows ever. It's like top 3. I've said this before on here, but it's like Columbo, Doctor Who, Green Acres. Wow. And then are probably my favorite shows. The the interesting thing about your review of Green Acres is that you actually said something in it that I always think whenever I watch it that that episode is very funny and very entertaining, but it's not the best. It's like it's not quite the best Green Acres episode. And it's it's funny because most of the Green Acres episodes are written by the same two guys, Jay Summers and Dick Chevrolet. And that one is not written by both of them. It's Jay Summers and Buddy Atkinson who wrote a lot of Petticoat Junctions. And so it's weird because whenever I watch it, I think, this is very good, but it's not fantastic because those two guys aren't involved and it was fun. when i read your review i was like oh someone else saw it too i'm not uh i'm not a crazy person but when i say that i'm probably the only person thinking about that with green acres <laughs> so i i don't know why i just felt like i should bring up green acres at some point in
1: here oh well, it was it was time
2: yeah it was definitely time yeah <laughs>
1: You know what you know what Christmas episode I really like, even though I don't think it's very good, is well it's not that it's not good, it kind of creeps me out. It's the uh Family Ties Christmas Carol. Oh yeah. 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 I'm obsessed with that episode, and I think (laughs) it's because I I have my tonsils taken out and we were taping TV shows, and for some reason that must have been the only show that taped because I watched it like thirty thousand times (laughs) while I was laying on the couch recovering from my tonsils being taken out. And I loved the like Christmas future where Alex is like bald and fat <laughs> and they're like, where are you going to go on the holiest of holy days? And he kicks up his feet and he goes Vegas. And I, cause I lived in Vegas. <laughs> I always thought that was really funny because I was there on the holiest of holy days every year. And um, it just stuck with me for some reason that episode, but I don't know that I thought it was funny or even very good. I don't. I kind of don't like Christmas Carol episodes of sitcoms. Um, yeah. That is yeah. a better one though. Well, it's a, yes. it's, it's Michael J. Fox. You know, so that helps. But it's, and I don't know. I just, I'm trying to think about, like, I only really remember Christmas after now. I don't remember. Uh, Black Adder was great, yeah.
2: Black Adder's Christmas Carol, yes. Yeah, it was excellent. great. That's
1: the best. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, it's just, I don't really remember Christmas past. And I think Tina Yothers was a ghost at some point. Right. That's what I. That's what I remember. But anyway, I was, like, obsessed. And he goes to the, oh, at the very, very end, he decides he's got to buy them gifts. But every place is closed because it's Christmas. So he gets somebody, like, cough medicine at the convenience <laughs> store.
3: Right. He gets gas station
1: gifts yes. for everybody. <laughs> yes, that's right. That was yeah, the funny.
3: Cough, the cough syrup is because young, young Jennifer has a nagging cough through the. Oh, okay, okay. Through Christmas Eve. and he had been Jennifer. Asked, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he gets her. Finally, he gets her the cough syrup. <laughs> so funny. Yeah,
2: it's. It's yeah it is weird the the episodes of things that we accidentally or otherwise watch over and over and over again. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I think though with the Christmas Carol ones I feel like I like straightforward stories and I guess that one's like a couple different stories so you kind of get involved in like Christmas past and then you got to go to Christmas future. Do you know what I mean? In in like a yeah. 22 minute time frame. It's, yeah. And I it's, think I like the Christmas episodes where there's just one story for like 22 minutes
2: did did i ever tell you guys the the story about uh December 2011 around December 7th or no it was December 11th i'm sorry when um uh it was raining all day long here in Los Angeles and it was about 50 degrees and the guy showed up to do the uh semi annual flea thing on our porch on uh, in our house so my dogs and i had to sit on the porch during a rainstorm, and uh, we had to be out there for three hours, and it was 50 degrees, which isn't that cold, but when you're sitting out there for three hours and it's sure. pouring rain, it Well, gets by L.A. Camp. standards, it's, yeah, a it's freezing. It's chilly. So as we were sitting out there, I actually read my dogs the entirety of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. <laughs> I, 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 made, I made an announcement. I said, here we go, you guys, and I opened up the book, and I began reading, and I just read the, them the entire Christmas Carol. And you know what? That's kind of fun doing that. Next time you're sitting out on a porch in a rainstorm, a snowstorm, and you need to read it, I recommend it.
1: Would you have a share of dogs to listen?
2: Yeah, they seemed interested. I don't think they'd—I don't think they'd heard it before. There's no—is there a dog Christmas Carol variation? I'm sure there is somewhere. Hmm. Um, I can't think of one, but
3: there are many dog. Stories, <laughs> many dog movies? There has to be. Give me is ten there... minutes; I could probably come up with one. <laughs> I
2: was to say, is there like Beethoven's A Christmas Carol, or oh,
3: I would see that. I there would. There is a Beethoven's Christmas, but it's not a Christmas Carol.
2: Uh, so yeah, you, I, uh... you
1: stumped you stumped the band.
2: No, well, well that that wasn't. Uh, I I didn't think there was. So I I'm, there's no. St- I don't want to stump anyone. It's Christmas time. We just. <laughs> We could stump people in the middle of the year. Christmas okay, that's, time. that's Everyone good. should be having a good time.
1: So are there any other Christmas specials we want to talk about?
2: I love the SCTV... Oh, yeah, that's right. ...Christmas episodes. The staff Christmas party. And then the Christmas one where Johnny LaRue goes missing. Um, those two, I think, are... Fan- the The staff Christmas party, the linking material, which is the big Christmas party, is hilarious. And then all the... Actual other bits, including the Liberace Christmas special. I love that. Oh, that's so great. And the weird thing about it is that last year, my wife and I, we got a Mill Creek set that had a Liberace, an actual. Oh, we got that. Special. Yeah, from 1954. Yeah, we bought that special. Oh, my gosh. That's so charming. Oh, my goodness. It's like.
3: That that parody that Rick Moranis does is like, or Dave Thomas, sorry, that Dave Thomas does of Liberace is like it's not a parody it's spot on That's it's right
2: it's right there except yeah he doesn't have elton john showing up trying to (laughs) oust him on the stuff yeah because the 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 liberace amanda have you watched that liberace i've only
1: watched the beginning of it
2: watch the whole thing it's we we watched it last year thinking okay this is going to be camp and silly it's really he's he's amazing
1: i'm from vegas Liberace I, is my guy. You I know, you got, people have the Celtics or whatever, and uh, Raiders and all that. We had Liberace.
2: That we it, loved him. You should watch all of them because it's so sincere and it's so charming.
1: Oh yeah, my dad was like the world's biggest Liberace fan. I remember when Liberace died. My dad, uh, you know, it was a big deal. And my uh, dad turned to me and he said, "One of my biggest regrets will be that I never got to see Liberace perform." uh
2: we have a we have a good friend who like won some sort of contest or something. And she went to see Liberace when she was young and got like a portrait of him signed.
1: Oh, so cool.
2: Oh uh, yeah. But what, well the, the SCTV staff Christmas party, you got the Liberace, you have that wonderful Neil Simon parody, the nutcracker suite, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. And uh, Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin doing some of their best nutty stuff. And you have a uh, dust, the dusty town, the uh, I forget what it's called, but it's you know it's Does a rather naughty
3: sexy holiday special.
2: That's the one <laughs> and with 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 John Candy as Divine singing Santa bring my baby back to me, which is fantastic, and that's such a good and you have that's where beer nog comes in the eggnog <gasps> substitution. Um, and I know Amanda, you're a big eggnog fan. I am. Joanna. Yes. Oh me too. Okay, good. Okay, so we got Twinsies,
1: three eggnogs. <laughs> um
2: but yeah, the SCTV Staff Christmas Party, my my wife and I watch that at least probably like twice a year. And the other one, the other one that which is I think is just called Christmas, the uh the sort of linking stuff with Johnny LaRue isn't as good. Well, of course, oh the the Staff Christmas party has Johnny LaRue doing street beef with John Candy out on the streets of like Edmonton or something
0: yeah yeah
2: and it's it's like it's clearly probably about 10 or 20 degrees he's absolutely i mean you can see his breath it's clearly freezing and i just love it i haven't been in weather like that in so long i miss it so much oh my god i love snow so much (laughs) so whenever i watch Whenever I watch those scenes, I'm always like, oh, God, I wish I, I'd be right there. And the, the the Christmas SCTV episode has one of my all-time favorite – and then I'll stop talking about it because I'm yammering, I think – one of my all-time favorite SCTVs, which is the – is it the boy or the kid who couldn't wait for Christmas? The fellow. The fellow Grim- who couldn't <laughs> wait for Christmas. Yes, the Ed Grimley bit. That was how from when I was about six years old till when I was about 12 or 13 – that was me. Every Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, that was me. I I would fall asleep when I went to bed. I'd get up at midnight, and I wouldn't fall asleep again until we got up to open presents. It's so and funny. Just,
3: SCTV on Facebook today shared that clip on their wall. Oh,
2: that's it's it's such a, that that is one of my the, the the two minutes of that. I like Martin Short is is genius. Yes, and those those two minutes are just like. You know, like the, the moment where he goes, you know, he decides he's finally going to go out and have a look at the tree. And he opens the door. And the moment he opens the door, get the bed. And and he and, and the dad <laughs> goes right back in. It's just it's so perfect. And it's a, and when he's looking out the window and the snow is coming down and he just and right at the end, he says, something like, wouldn't it be great if he just if he came, you know, Santa? And it's just like, oh, and it's just like, oh, that's. And I used to try to keep it from my sister who slept well every Christmas Eve. And my mom, who slept well every Christmas Eve. But I would be, like, jumping around going crazy from, like, midnight to we got up. And I'd run down and there would be the gifts. And I'd be like, okay. And I wouldn't get too close to them because I was afraid, you know, that Santa might take them back. And I'd run back up. (laughs) I'm just like, I'd be in my room. like It was like, I at that time, I was afraid of the dark and I thought there were monsters under my bed. Christmas Eve was the one night of the year there were no monsters under the bed. So it was just like I'd run around my room going, "Come on, come on!" If I <laughs> if I had an iPod or a Walkman or something, I would have put it on and calmed myself down. But there was nothing, so it was just like, "Ugh!" Just crazy. So yeah, Ed Grimley, I wasn't that nerdy most uh, of the so time.
1: we need proof of that.
2: <laughs> You're gonna need pictures. I, I don't know that I can provide those. Most are gone. You had
1: with. that mullet for like twelve years.
2: I had a mullet for a very long time. You did. But that, that was me being lackadaisical.
1: Yeah, but that fits into the nerd factor.
2: I it think. does. It I really guess does, you
1: right. don't have to be a nerd to have a mullet. But.
3: That Ed Grimley uh, short is one of my favorites too.
2: It's, it's so it's per, it's a perfect length, and it's great because it's a, it's a it's a commercial for a special, and I'm like oh it's like oh my gosh I wish I lived in Mellonville, because I would have watched I would have taped that special I would have put the the beta on that night and the Betamax <laughs> recorded that special. And I would have watched it every year.
1: I'm sad that mm-hmm. didn't happen for you, Dan. Why are you ending this on such a sad note?
2: Oh, uh, you know what? I, I also, um, uh, I'm trying to think of another Christmas. Okay. Special. Well- oh, 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 oh <laughs> Cannonball Christmas, Petticoat Junction. I watched oh, that. Oh yeah.
1: I've it. only seen the black and white one. I haven't seen the color Cannonball Christmas.
2: I haven't seen the color one either. Just the black and white. One. I want to see the
1: color one cause Steve's in it.
2: Oh sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah.
1: And it's Steve.
2: Yeah, it's it's so much fun, and the um, I I think I said uh, Joanna on your um, on on your uh, on your site when I was talking about the Doris Day episode, I said that one of the great the, the Doris Day is fun because they convert sort of the guy the jerk to um, being nice at Christmas. Yes. But one of the one of the joys of the Cannibal Christmas is that Homer Bedloe they don't he's still a jerk. <laughs> at the end of the episode oh yeah he is he still hates christmas and he still hates everyone but his boss shows up and his boss makes him be nice and so i was like
1: i love him
2: yeah oh homer
1: i love his anger (laughs) i love his need for whatever weird revenge he thinks he's enacting on the beautiful people petting junction
2: joanna have you seen the six million dollar man christmas episode
1: I have a bionic Christmas carol. Yeah, I've seen that, too. Uh, I, I think thought, I have.
2: It's it's standing by.
1: I'm pretty sure I saw episodes. Is there more than one $6 million man Christmas? Or is that it? No, just one. I think I've seen it, but I don't remember, like, ghosts of Christmas past. Or I feel like he, he's somewhere, stationed somewhere, or he's doing an experiment, and he goes to somebody's house, and there's a kid there.
3: Yeah, there are children. He's trying to help. Um, I, I think... He, Oh, don't they to... all have to work on Christmas like the people yes. yes. And and the contractor is using cheap supplies and it's jeopardizing uh the project. Like, so he That sounds
2: it, like a very brady Christmas. A little
3: bit, yeah. <laughs> and so he's um Steve Austin feels a need to sort of be inspired by the the, the Dickens tale to to
1: provoke this no i have seen it yes i have yeah
3: to provoke ray walston into having a change of heart
1: okay this is a christmas carol episode i like what i remember this one i just watched it like last year i think
2: wow okay it's out it's on tv or something and and i will say the there's a doctor who episode called the christmas carol from 2010 yeah
3: 10 oh is it 11 i'm
2: sorry yeah um five six seven eight nine i think 10 but it could be um I forget. but And it's fantastic. It really does a nice thing with the Christmas Carol because the past is the big portion of it. And it sort of tricks you with the present and really tricks you with the future. So it's like it plays around with the um, the expectations of it. And it's very Christmassy. And there's yes. Michael Gamble in it who's <laughs> always wonderful. Yes. So. Yay. Yay. All right. And um, it has
3: beautiful
1: music in it.
2: It it really does, yes. It really is. It's a go- and it has um, flying sharks. <laughs>
1: yes. so, oh, I know this one.
2: Okay, yeah, it's flying sharks, and um, the doctor goes down a chimney and he he rewrites rewrites a man's history to help save a, a ship. Yes, uh, a is that spaceship. the one, with
1: Kylie Minogue? Yes. Yeah. No, so, that's
2: that's that's Voyage of the that's Damned. There, but, oh,
1: yeah. that's the one. I think I've seen. Never mind. I, I feel I, like I, flying sharks seems familiar to me.
2: Flying Sharks, I forget Kathleen Jenkins or something like that. I'd have to yeah, look up Catherine, her name. Katherine Jenkins, yeah, who's um like an opera singer uh, or something, like a Welsh opera singer or something like that. She's in it and she's quite lovely. And um
1: Yeah.
3: The Kylie Minogue episode doesn't have her singing, but it's um another it's, ship in the air is and it's entitled The Titanic, but it's going okay. to crash unless they leap through some hurdles and um similar descriptions but completely different episodes.
2: Yes, that yeah, Voyage of the Damned. I actually watched Voyage of the Damned with my niece and nephew when they were like 9 and 6 and they loved it. So, it's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's very Poseidon adventure. A '70s disaster film,
1: and yes. and what a nice wraparound because we started with Kylie Minogue And Bernard Nagini Oh yes, yes,
2: and Kylie then we're right wrapping now.
1: up with Kylie Minogue. She makes everything better. She really is Christmas. <laughs>
2: she really is. I have a note here: Kylie equals Christmas.
1: Yep. Don't. That's not a question. That's a statement. No,
2: I, I, I've actually I've got my whiteout out. Give me a moment. Okay. Yeah. Fix that? Kylie equals
1: Christmas. Fix that. All right. Okay, so um, just we'll. I think we're gonna wrap up here, and I just want to thank Joanna. And I, I did thank something you. yesterday that I'm really upset about. So I was like, we talked about your books and everything. And I'm like, at the end of the episode, we'll talk more about them, and then we didn't. Um, so let me get this right again. Give me the name of the website where people can pick up your books. They can get them through my website,
3: which is my blog at Christmas TV. Okay com.
1: Okay. And
3: they can also get them at, at my publisher site, which is 1701press,
1: 1701press.com. press Okay. And so I'm glad you gave out your website too because we didn't do that. And you have a Facebook. Yes. I have several, unfortunately, I have several <laughs> Facebook
3: pages. It drives me crazy because there's so much uh, attention they require. But yes. you can find me at Christmas TV History. Cool. And then that also attaches to your Twitter. That might
1: be, is that the same handle? No, on Twitter
3: I'm Joanna Wilson or
1: at Tis a season TV okay great I'm a, I'm I'm finding I'm moving more and more over to Twitter and I just prefer it right now. I, I don't know why but I do so I want to make sure everybody I'm, catches yeah, you a, on I'm Twitter a, too yeah, I love Twitter fan, so.
2: yeah yeah it's, I don't, it's a hoop. yeah I don't
1: know if it's just because Twitter has more people that are more of just want to talk about pop culture. And not Mm -hmm. veer too far into like politics and world events on my page. You know what I mean? So when I'm scrolling through it, I don't have to look at a lot of things I don't want to look at. And right now on Facebook, there's just so much going on in the world that when you're scrolling through it, it's just like, oh, I can't look at this. It's overload. So I've been spending less time on there. And so, Dan, tell us where you are on Twitter.
2: Oh, I'm uh, is it. uh, Oh, gosh, I forget where I am on Twitter, actually. Um,
1: Well, tell us where your website is.
2: The, it's it's some Polish American guy reviews things dot blogspot dot com and it's uh oh what am I on Twitter I I want to say I'm at at D uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bow out of that one I know okay. I'm on F- Facebook is Daniel Budnick on okay. uh, Twitter i i blanked on what the Twitter is right now I but think if you you're want...
3: Danny Slacks
2: oh yes Danny Slacks one it's Danny Slacks one I think dot com I th- I want to say. I'm sorry. I I this was information I should have written down. Instead, I have things written down like FT for Father Ted and SCTV. <laughs> well, that's Fickers. important stuff
1: too. That's important. yes,
2: yes. But um, but yeah, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. If you go on some Polish American, if you Google some Polish American guy reviews things, the only thing that will come up will be my <laughs> blog. So you Yay. go on there. You, you can get there. You can get there uh, where you need to, and you can read about my uh, the Madonna, not Madonna, but the Madonna.
1: And Joanna, do you have anything coming up? Like I know a couple of years ago you did some TV stuff, and I think recently did you do another podcast? I th- saw you posting. I don't know if it was an old episode or you're doing new stuff.
3: there is a podcast. I did a brief interview um with Jim Inman Jr. Um out of Indiana. That's on the link is on my uh Christmas TV history, uh either on Twitter or on uh Facebook. Okay. And there's another one actually tomorrow night. Well, Whenever oh. this gets uploaded, but it it too will be it's airing <laughs> on internet radio, but it's also will be a podcast, and that's through radio
1: once dot com okay. Okay, cool. Okay. And um, and um then I just, I realized that Dan and I actually do two podcasts and we never promote the other podcast. Oh, yeah. So we should probably do that. And so I'm obviously at Made for TV Mayhem. So you can just Google that and you'll find me. You know, it's interesting. I can't remember my Twitter either, but I just think it's Made for TV Mayhem. And Sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Made for TV Mayhem on Facebook as well. But so Dan and I do another podcast that's horror related. It's called Podcast Mania. It's super hard to find on iTunes and I'm not sure why, but it, we're there. And you can yes. also go on, I think it's podcastmania.wordpress.com, and you can yes. get all the episodes. And we also have a Facebook page that's fairly active with lots of stuff. So if you like horror movies um, and you like uh, shows without any structure at all, yes. <laughs> a lot of people drunk, that's the every, podcast for you.
2: Every once in a while, structure wanders near us, um, but not uh, – I'm because I, I've been waiting. I'm supposed to host the next episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the movie The Uh, Corpse Eaters, a Canadian zombie film from 1974, 1976, something like that. But that's been like for the past month and a half. I've been waiting to do that. Yeah,
1: The the guy who runs the podcast just had a baby Mm -hmm. and he was under the impression that he would just have to take two weeks off of his life and then he'd be able to start doing everything the way he used to. And then... Two weeks into it, he's like, guys, this isn't working out. So it's going to take a while for him to get settled and uh, start podcasting again. But we do have a pretty good archive of episodes. Probably and like
2: yeah, 20 or, or more. Yeah, a lot.
1: And so people should go and check us out. And obviously, we're on iTunes and uh, I also am available through our website, which is, I don't know what page I put that We're on TV Mayhem Podcast. Uh, I didn't write down the website name.
2: Holy mackerel! Uh, do you guys want to vamp about Christmas? No, Maybe no, it's I okay. It's try. okay. Okay, <laughs> it's okay.
1: Just look up TV. Uh, just look up the Made for TV Mayhem show on iTunes, and there's a link to the website there, and you can also get the episodes from there. And we were also talking about that we don't have any iTunes feedback. I know somebody left something like a either a rating or a review, but I can't access it, and I it says because there hasn't been enough ratings yet. Hmm. So I guess there's like a special number that unlocks whatever is in there so if anybody likes the show and they want to go over and say nice things that'd be great if you hate the show just send us an email (laughs) don't leave leave itunes feedback send us an email let us know what's going on and we'll try to work on it
2: because i i'd I'd hate to have to uh, start creating fake itunes accounts and leaving
1: yeah, I don't want to do that either. And you know what's weird is apparently I don't know if we're just on American iTunes, but like for example, The Strange and Deadly Show, they're in England, and they used to—I don't know if they still do it—but they were saying like, "Oh, thanks so and so for leaving feedback on the UK iTunes and the US iTunes." And I can't figure out how to look up the UK iTunes.
2: Huh. So. And what is and what is Stitcher? Everybody, I'm trying. Yeah, to we don't know, Stitcher.
1: and I don't have a smartphone either, Dan. So.
2: Oh gosh! Um, citrus
1: probably not for us right now. I think I
2: bet he, Nathan has a smartphone. He I'm does. I'm sure he has a that's smartphone. That's what buzzes when yeah. he's no, on. Yeah, no, he
1: has. That's his iPad.
2: Oh, that's his iPad. I'm sorry. He's Nathan. far
1: more technologically advanced than we will ever be. Let's, let's just say that. And before I forget, uh, we'll be back in January. ...with a double feature that is themed by... ...that is themed by... ...is going by the theme of revenge. We're going to be doing Dark Knight of the Scarecrow... ...and a 1971 TV movie called Revenge... ...with uh, Shelley Winters, Bradford Dillman, and Stuart Whitman. And it's interesting because I didn't realize... ...till after I put the two together... ...because I based it off Revenge... ...obviously the title Revenge... ...that they're both also supernatural. So it should be a really interesting double feature. And we will let you know when those episodes are going to go up... Uh, But for now, just have a great holiday. We're going to close out tonight with a slate song called Merry Christmas. And I want to wish everybody happy holidays. This will be up before the holidays. And this is our budget gift to you. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) It's free for everyone. So uh, enjoy it. And if you have favorite uh, Christmas episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at tvmayhempodcast at gmail.com or stop by. Our Twitter at TV Mayhem Podcast or our Facebook page, which is just the Made for TV Mayhem Show, and let us know what your favorite holiday episodes are, and we will talk about them on the next episode. So uh, happy holidays, everybody!
3: Yes,
2: and thank you again. Oh yeah, thank you,
1: Joanna, so much for taking. Thank you for having me.
3: It It was was, great. It's great conversation. Merry Christmas! Merry
2: Christmas!